96.9. Got a big day planned for you today. We got Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll talk to him at 8 o'clock. Find out about the your Browns going 1-27 and now. Also talk to him about Ohio State. I know a lot of you Buckeye fans super pissed Ohio State didn't make the top four teams. And look, I'll be honest, I don't know enough about how they pick that. I don't know enough about how the committee gets together and what they decide on, what they don't. But the people making the argument that losing to Iowa by 31 doesn't help your chances be a top four team, that makes sense to me. And I said that they wouldn't get in. I said for weeks that they would not get in. And my whole point was watching them week to week, they did not feel like a championship football team week to week this year. They just didn't. They were too up and down. Now, the qualifications of what they did next to what Alabama did, all that, there's probably an argument in there. But I was not shocked to find out Ohio State was not a top four team in the country. But again, man, Buckeye fans, like, and I'm an Ohio State fan, but you diehards are just immovable in in your passion for them. It's just like, you're never willing to admit that maybe you didn't get it done. Yeah, I don't even think it's the passion for them. It's like the blind, like... What do I want to see? Your devotion to them. loyalty. It's 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 it's. it's I mean, dude, they're a two-loss team. And the argument to make here, and I'm an Ohio State hater through and through, dude. But the argument to make here is there's 300 goddamn teams that play college one or no, Division the one argument, college football. Make 16. That's the argument. No, the argument here, the argument here, Ohio State fans, is that all year you you begged to have your quarterback benched. All year you wanted to bench the quarterback. But you're a top four team in the country? Come on now. That's the argument to make. Is that all year you thought your quarterback wasn't good enough to get it done. Now you're it now now you want it to be enough? You got blown out by Iowa. You got smoked by Oklahoma in your house. Remember? You were all pissed. Baker Mayfield planted the Oklahoma flag right in the middle of the field. Remember you were pissed? You got smoked in your own house. Like, that stuff plays in. It just does. I don't know if it should. Who cares? You know me. I don't care about shoulds. What is and what will be. And this is the way this is. I don't care about shoulds. I don't care. That's for that's for five-year-olds. It's for kids. It's for, it's for idealistic morons. Shoulds. I care about what is, what will be. Because that's the grown-up world. All year you wanted to bench the quarterback. All year. What, because you were so good? Okay. I guess. I mean, I guess. I don't get that. You beat Michigan. And I know you thought that that meant you were going in. You would have had to have blown out Wisconsin by like 70 to maybe even be considered. And again, I don't know enough about how the college football committee comes together and how they figure it out. But turning their games on week to week... They didn't feel they didn't feel like a top four team in the country to me. They were too up and down all year. You guys were bitching about it all year. Quarterback's not good enough. Special teams isn't good enough. Our defense is too young. You, I, I heard all the excuses on why they weren't so good all year. And now we get to the end of the year. Now you think they're they were good enough? I don't get that. I just don't get that. We also have a concert announcement to make at 8 o'clock. We'll give you that. And then we'll get you into said show. We also have some uh, Canton Charge tickets to pass out. I like it. And we'll talk to the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank CEO, Dan Flowers. He'll join us again at 9 o'clock because on Friday, we did the Long Haul Against Hunger, which was, again, wildly successful this year. I believe it was $103,000 
were raised on Friday. It was yeah, awesome. That's not counting the uh, you know the immense amount of food that was raised. Yeah, either. that's just so cash. it's a huge it's a huge huge thing that we did on Friday, and glad to have Dan back in for it. Yeah, that was that was a really good day. I mean, it, it's a long day for us, but I mean, let's be honest, it's not necessarily yeah. hard work. And you know, people coming up and saying thanks all day. And we didn't even do anything. We just showed up and told you guys where you could do something. That's it. Like I, you know what I mean? Like the amount of people walking away from that. Thanking me for doing that. It's like, guys, I didn't really do anything. You did it all. You know what I mean? And so now it's like $103,000 was collected for the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank. Dan Flower is going to join us at 9 o'clock. Buddy, how are you? How uh, pretty weekend? good, dude. Pretty good. Honestly, for like the first time in, I don't know, like a week, I feel healthy. So like that's a good thing. Um, I uh, It was probably, I think, the Wednesday or Thursday before long haul, I felt myself getting sick. And I was like, dude, this isn't even an option. Like you don't have the you don't have the luxury to get sick right there. So to wake up today and not be like coughing out a lung and not be like all right. like, congested and sinusy or whatever, uh, that's pretty nice. But I do, uh, do want to throw a quick shout out uh, to everybody who attended the Buzz been Christmas going down with Ohio Championship Wrestling this past Saturday night. Uh, it was an absolute blast. The 20 million always shows up strong when we do wrestling in Canton, Ohio. And uh, dude, thank you guys for being there. It was awesome. It really was. A, uh, a Canton City street fight out in, on Cleveland Avenue, dude. Things got intense, so it, it was a good time. It was outside? No, it was inside, but, you know, dude, Juice Jennings and Robbie Starr, things got heated. They quickly, you know, took things out into the middle of the street, and dudes were fighting in the middle of Cleveland Avenue. It was pretty badass. I, uh, I've i never been in there when they put the ring in there. Like, I mean, Buzzman's sweet, don't get me wrong, but is it big? I mean... It takes up a big chunk of the room. It I does. got to imagine. There's no doubt about it. So, like, you kind of get, like, jam-packed in there to, like, watch wrestling, but that adds to the coolness of it. You know what I'm saying? To have, like, people right on top of it. There was this one woman there, and I'm talking, like, I don't know, this woman was definitely older than my mom. So, like... Wow. 60s, I'm going to say. Was she a mother of one of the performers? I don't think so. Then what the hell she was she doing? She tried to then? get into the ring, dude. Like, and everybody thought it was a part of the show. It was not a part of this show. Was she show. just a homeless lady from down the street no, just getting she, warm? I, she, I don't think she was homeless. No, I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know where she got tickets for our money for a ticket would have been, but, like, she tried to get into the ring in the middle of one of the matches that was not planned. That was completely, like, like some drunk woman just trying to get in there. Wow. And, uh, no, it was a good time, man. So shout out to everybody who came uh, who came to a very buzzbin Christmas with us there. What's uh, what's the story with you other than long haul against hunger? Honestly, what's the, uh, man, tales to stand no. For, Saturday, I just worked at the Agora. Right? I, we had Circus Survive and Thrice in there, which we were way busier for that than I thought we were going to be. I uh, I had no idea. I like I don't even know. Like I know who Thrice is. Right. Like I know who that is, and they're all right. But I had never really heard of Circus Survive. And like people I know came to the show, they're like, "Yeah, man, this is like one of the biggest bands from like when I was in high school." And I was like, "I mean, I guess early two thousands bands. I mean, I don't view either one of them as super big, but I mean, well, good enough. Good I mean, enough. about two thousand people in the door. I mean, right, I, you know, I mean, we sold. I mean, we were pretty much sold out, almost sold out. And uh, dude, I I got to give Circus Survive a little credit here because I've seen a million meet and greets being in the radio business, working at the. Right. I've seen a million meet and greets, and ninety percent of the time, I'll just be honest, and artists don't want to hear me say this, but ninety percent of the time, an artist is making you pay extra for a meet and greet. Guys, it's not worth it. The, the, you're not going to be stand. You're, they won't let you stand right next to them when you take a photo. You either get like a like a, a photo that was pre done, something that was signed before he even got to the venue. Most a lot, dude, I see a lot of meet and greets. And it's like that's not worth it, right? But Circus Survive showed up. They did 
like a five song acoustic set for you. You got an LP, a signed set list, and like a million th- and the and they took like real photos with you. Like I remember when Juicy J came to the Agora, you had to pay for a photo and they measured. You had to be three feet away from them in the photo. It it's one of those things that uh, I guess bands maybe on the come up and bands on on the downslide are probably a little bit more likely to yeah, recognize. Yeah, once you're a star, nobody cares. Yeah, but like once you're established and and probably you know three years before and three years after you really hit your peak as an artist, you know you don't want anything to do with that. Three you know, days right, grace, you know. Three days grace is a perfect example of this. I remember when they opened up for Nickelback. I think it was at the Jar in Akron. They came running up to the bus or to the. The station van. I was in the station van. And they were pounding on the windows. Oh, my God. Do play our record. Play our record. Play our record. And I remember I rolled the window down. This is when I hate everything about you. It was like, you know, the song that was getting ready to break. And I remember I pulled, I, I rolled the window down and said, guys, we're already playing the record. And then a year later, we tried to get them to do something for the radio station. Pff, nah, don't have time. Can't do it. Can't do it. Literally a year ago, you were pounding on the van, begging me to play the record. That's artists. Is that they all want your help until they don't is until they feel as if they don't need it, and then all of a sudden when they're on the Eddie Money circuit singing at the rib burn off, then they all want to beg you for an interview. They're like anybody else, dude. When they want your help, they'll do anything in the world for you. And when they don't feel as if they need it, then they're just lousy. But like for a band I didn't know about, I was like, man, that is a really cool meet and greet. And at least if you paid money for that, you're walking away getting something versus just like there you are in some like crappy cell phone pick where you're not even standing next to him. I actually thought, I was like, man, that's pretty cool for a band to do. A woman is warning parents of small children, even teenagers, about a social media trend that was kind of hot a couple of years ago, but everything goes in circles. It's coming back around again, and you won't believe what kids are doing. This woman's out to warn you, and we'll tell you what's going on next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 106.9. 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9 coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Get his take on Josh Gordon's return to the Browns yesterday. I think it was four catches, 85 yards, targeted 11 times, made four uh, four grabs, 85 yards. Not too bad, I guess. Browns are now 1-27 under Hugh Jackson, from what I understand. you got to imagine they're going to move on. I would just think in the offseason they're probably going to move on. I mean, I don't know why you would do it right now. It makes no sense. But. No, no, no. It doesn't make any sense to do now. But my guess is they're probably going to move on from Hugh Jackson in the offseason. I don't know why. It's just like, dude, I turned, I, like, I, I opened up Twitter yesterday before the game. Right. And because Josh Gordon was playing and, he got, and we were playing the Chargers, people just automatically thought they were going to win. I don't know why you guys think they're going to win. They're not going to win a game. They are not going to win a game. I still stand firm. I think they backwards their way into one. But, like, at this point, I mean, what's left? Four? Four games? That's, it, it, I mean, the window's closing. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see where they're going to get it. I remember in the preseason, I, I took the season schedule up and ran it all the way up and down. I was like, loss, 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 loss. And everybody's like, you're so negative. And here we sit. <laughs> was your prediction four this year? I remember Vegas put the over under at four and a half, and I kept saying that the half game made it a huge sucker bet. Bet the under on four and a half. So I never really felt like I, I didn't think they were going to win four games. I just knew four and a half, the half game, made it a sucker bet. And to take the under. We got Green Bay this week. They will not beat an Aaron Rodgers-less Green Bay Packers. I'm just telling you right now. That's not going to happen. 
So it's not going to be next week. Be interesting. We'll talk to Scott coming up at 8 o'clock. We'll also have a concert announcement for you at 8 o'clock, and we'll uh, we'll pass out those tickets as well. All right. Yeah. Big Pretty concert exciting. announcement. Yeah, there. one coming to Blossom. Make sure you don't mention it. Actually, uh, three bands. Yeah. Okay. Foreigner at Blossom. We'll okay. see. Uh, we'll see at eight o'clock. Because <laughs> I was actually not supposed to do that, but I uh, I feel like we'll we'll probably make it. So a woman now is uh, is warning some other parents about a social media trend that was hot for a while, then kind of went away. Excuse the pun there. Kind of went away, and now it's back now again because these things go. You know, they're cyclical. It's the way it goes. But a second grader, her second grader, saw videos on YouTube of people lighting themselves on fire trying to create fireballs with an aerosol can and a lighter. And a it's called the fire challenge, where people actually light themselves on fire and then record it. So a seven-year-old reenacted the stunt and now has severe burns and is currently in the burn center at his, you know, the burn unit at his local hospital. Three seconds, they say. It just changed his life. That's his mother. He saw videos online of people lighting themselves on fire. And they tried first to light it on his hand. So the next idea was to spray more on something. So they sprayed something on his shirt. He lit it. And it just went up in flames. Well, yeah. If you spray something flammable on a t-shirt, light it. Now he's a second grader. I don't want to go overboard calling him an idiot here. They rushed in, tried to put out the fire, but it didn't go out at first. So then they ripped off the shirt. He put chemicals on his hair, made sure his face is shiny so he had Vaseline on it. So when he pulled the shirt off, it lit his face on fire. Wow. He's got second and third degree burns from this, and of course you of course, would. Yeah. And she's just hoping he comes back to normal as the same little boy. Good I luck. Don't I don't know about that. I mean, there's going to be some serious scarring that goes on here, right? Oh, yeah. And I mean, even beyond that, I mean, I don't think there's any way you don't walk away from this a changed person. I mean, lighting yourself on fire, second and third degree burns all over your body. Like, no, man, that kid's going to have issues. Like, I think that's fair to say. At least for a little while. Yeah. At least for a little while. Yeah, I mean, not to say he can't go on to live like a happy yeah, and productive he'll be all life. Right. Um, but, like, I mean, at the end of the day, this is all about this woman. This is all about this mom. Like, what are you doing leaving, like, flammable chemicals around your child like that? Like, I don't I mean, I, Vaseline? Oh, sure. But, like, you still need. Not sure. It's a household item. Well, I'm just saying, is that is that what he used to, to like, light himself on fire? Or is that just what was on his face? Well, I mean, obviously that was the point of putting it on his face. But what did he put on his shirt? Oh, I don't know about what he had on his shirt. It doesn't say here. I mean, he had to put something flammable, right? It says it sprayed something on that. So my guess is that's not Vaseline. My guess is it's, I mean, Vaseline. I don't know. Does Vaseline have a spray now? Maybe they do. I don't know. I don't know. I've All I've ever known it is the tub of, like, jelly for pervs. Like, that's the only thing I know Vaseline for. Like, I don't even know what you use it for. And Vaseline, not flammable. It's not, like, flammable. It's, it's, really? It's, it's when he was pulling it over, I'm sure it just, like, burnt onto his, onto his face. Yeah. 
It wouldn't slide you off would, his face. You'd put it on you as like a protected. Like that's what he was putting it on himself for. That's what people are doing in these videos is putting oh, it on really? themselves. Yeah. So, oh, I I, it was so when you're leaving yourself, well, so at that point, why are you leaving flammable materials not locked or not like you know not at least somewhere where your seven year old can't reach them? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty judgmental for two guys that don't have kids. I mean, dude, it's like, I mean, I, I was, my parents were good parents, and I was in everything in the house at all times. I mean, it's just, it's part of it. You can't protect them from everything. You want to, it'd be nice to, but you just can't. I mean, parents right now, you, you listening, it, you know, it's like you try, you put things up on high shelves and this and that, and it's like criminals and cops, dude. The criminals have more incentive to get away than the cops have incentive to catch them. It's just the way it is. So this woman has no... no- I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, it, it's to automatically make it about her being a bad parent, I think it's just too far. I think kids push the envelope. It's what we do. As a matter of fact, I have a story of this from when I was a kid. We lit ourselves on fire. We just didn't have a way to film it and show it to everybody. But we all wanted to be Nikki Six so bad. In the video, he's got the red leather pants on. He lights them on fire, and he's standing there playing the bass, even though he's not playing it. And he's on fire, and it was cool. And a buddy of mine said, "You know, you can do that, right?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "Well, rubbing alcohol is flammable." And so, sure enough, we poured rubbing alcohol up and down our pants and lit them on fire. And I wasn't even in second grade. I was like. 13, 14. Like, I was like seventh, eighth grade, somewhere around there. So, I mean, I, I mean, were my parents terrible because there was rubbing alcohol in my house? No. There's rubbing alcohol in the house. Like, welcome to, you know what I mean? You need it to clean out wounds and the like. And my parents were wrong, thought I was smart enough not to try to douse myself in it and light myself on fire. But I'm not. I don't want to demonize a mom because her her kid got into something. I mean, that's. You know, what I mean, I'm not sure flammable substance. I mean, it's not a gun. Sometimes, dude, you just have household items around. You just don't realize what's what's going on. I'm not gonna trash her. If anything, I would say that the internet is more harmful to your kid than something flammable underneath the sink. Because where do you get the idea? The internet. Is where he got the idea. And his YouTube is, I mean, they're taking down videos that, that are political in nature or like awful in nature, but yet this kind of stuff where we're showing kids how to light themselves on fire, YouTube's like, yeah, whatever, just post it. Maybe they're culpable for it. Billy Bush is sick of hearing about how the tape isn't real and he has spoken up. We'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. Dan Stansberry and his boy wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. One more time, I want to thank everybody who came out to the long haul against hunger. This was uh, last Friday, Giant Eagle up on the strip. You guys raised over $103,000 for local communities. That was fantastic of you. We'll talk to uh, the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank CEO, Dan Flowers. He'll uh, join us in studio coming up at 9 o'clock this morning. I asked him on Friday. He's like, dude, let's you know, let's have you back in Friday. Or, I'm, I'm sorry, Monday, 9 o'clock. We'll do a little recap of the whole event. And uh, he was he was pretty willing. He That dude loves music. We'll, have, we'll talk to him about metal a little bit. Put me on the spot the other day. Asked me what, what my favorite Iron Maiden song all time was. Dude, I thought about that question all weekend. That's a hard question, dude. The Evil That Men Do was really good. The Trooper was really good. Just, they were good, man. 
Yeah, Dan Flowers, a complex character he is, dude. He, uh, you know, running a food bank, you think you know, like, all right, well, I know what kind of guy would do that. He's not that dude. He's, he's somebody completely different than you would imagine him to be. I would agree. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. 8 o'clock, we'll get his take on the Browns. Uh, now 1-27 and 27 under the guidance of Hugh Jackson. My guess is they're going to usher him out in the middle of the night. I just don't see how you don't at this point. I remember at the beginning of the season, I, I said, like, how long can you kick this losing can down the street before somebody comes and collects on you? And, like, it's got to happen. I just don't know who you're going to get that's going to be any better. Who wants this job? Nobody. Nobody. You've got, well, not a GM. You don't even have one. And you got guys up at the top. You got a baseball guy picking football talent. Like, any good, reputable football coach is going to look at this disaster and go, no, I'm not in it. There are college jobs way better. Way better. Oh, yeah. At this point, the Tennessee job's better. They can't get anybody to look at that. Which, by the way, that Greg Schiano thing was a mess. Tennessee deserves whatever they get. Like, you deserve whatever you get. It was laid out perfectly in those documents. Schiano did nothing wrong. Not a thing wrong. But, you know, Twitter. It's like social media. Do you get what you deserve? But, 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 hashtag this and equality no. and this. No, I, I know Clay Travis is one of the big guys proponing against him. Isn't that, you know, contrary to what, you know, I don't you know expect? what Clay Travis's deal is. I don't oh, know. Oh, he was one of the big, he was one of the guys that was like really against that. Yeah, he's got a hair across his ass about what happened at, P, you know, at Penn State and people should. But like, dude, Shiano, it says right there in the court documents that he didn't do anything wrong. There's absolutely no reason. If the guy's good enough to be a defensive coordinator at Ohio State, why can't you be the head coach of Tennessee? A team that doesn't matter. From a conference, honestly, that really doesn't, that isn't what it used to be. Why can't he be that? I don't understand this. This is like with Joe Mixon. Like Joe Mixon, like he punched that girl right at Oklahoma, and everybody's like, get him out of Oklahoma and give him another opportunity somewhere else. Why? If you can play college football, then why can't you just play college football? Why do I got to take him out of Oklahoma and make him go somewhere else? If it's about the fact that he shouldn't get the opportunity, then don't give him the opportunity. But let's not pretend we're, we're, we're moral because we're gonna, we, we want the kid yanked out of Oklahoma and then sent somewhere else to play football. That makes no sense to me. Like, if, if, dude, if you can have a job within the industry, then why can't you have a head coaching job within the industry? That makes no sense. That is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my entire life. I just don't get that. So, Tennessee, do you get everything that you deserve? Like, you're going to get what you deserve because you had a pretty decent coach and because you overreacted because Twitter freaked out and you don't know what you're doing and you have no idea how to make an educated decision. You allowed Twitter to move you off of a coach. You, you allowed Twitter to move you off of a coach. That was stupid. Really, really stupid. So, Billy Bush, former Access Hollywood host, is calling out the president. In recent weeks, Donald Trump has made claim that the guy on the tape saying, I just grab him by the, by, by the pee, by the vagina. I'm not even allowed to say what the guy said, by the way, on the radio. Is now making claim that it wasn't him on the tape. I don't know how you do, I don't know how you do that. I mean, I know there are celebrity impersonators and the like. But Trump sounds like Trump. I mean, we all knew it was him. I mean, he had come out and said, yeah, that was me. When it happened. Yeah. Now, what they're going to say now is, is, well, we said that to make it go away. Kind of be like, yeah, we admitted it. and kind of So it, it would move forward. That's going to be the excuse now. 
which is, of course, ridiculous. He said it. He said it. So Billy Bush wrote an op-ed. Because apparently Trump has been heard bragging about telling people, look, that wasn't me. Billy Bush says, of course he said it. And we laughed along without a single doubt that this was hypothetical hot air from America's highest rated bloviator. And I remember saying at the time, I was like, eh, I don't know if I buy it. He said it. It's awful. It's off color. But I don't believe that that's the the true actions of the man. I, I remember saying then, I don't buy that. This sounds like I'm trying to impress a TV person. I'm Donald Trump. I want to be cool. Now, there's a problem with the fact that a guy thinks that that kind of activity is cool. I would agree with that. I'd meet you there because that's not cool. But that's what he was trying to do. I didn't didn't necessarily buy the fact that this is actually what he was doing. Now, it should be pointed out, women have come out and said, dude, he pushed me up against the wall. He started kissing me. Which, again, in the tapes, he says he does. The tape was leaked during the 2016 campaign. And he publicly acknowledged during the campaign that it was his voice on the recording and apologized for it, dismissing them as locker room talk, remember? And I remember saying then, too, that locker room talk is two guys talking about what they might want to do to a woman or I went out with this girl last night and she was willing to do this. That's locker room talk. Joking about women, busting your wife's balls when she's not around to your buddies. That's locker room talk. Talking about groping women without their permission is not locker room talk. That's criminal. You're, you're describing criminal activity. To me, that's not locker room talk. If my friend just started talking to me, yeah, dude, then I raped this chick last night. I'm like, all right, well, let's go lace them up and play three on three. Like, that's not what's going to happen. So I don't buy that. But I did buy that it was that for some reason he thought that that's what, what, what Billy Bush would want to hear and kind of told that to Billy Bush. I do, but I do believe that. And now I, best, I, I guess Billy Bush is going to be on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert today where he's going to answer questions about the tape. And wait for it now. There are going to be people who look to come out to give Stephen Colbert problems for giving Billy Bush a voice. What people are going to say here is, you're giving him a space to absolve his sins in this. And I remember saying at the time, why'd we fire the TV guy who laughed at it? Why'd we fire the TV guy? And you know why that is, America? Because of you. Because you care more about who's on your television than who's running your country. Don't even try to lie about that. We do. We care more about who's on TV. But you got your body in the street, justice was paid, and you moved right forward. I never understood why Billy Bush had to come off TV for this. I never got it. I will never understand it. If I have my facts correct, Billy Bush never even says anything along the lines of any improper thing. He just laughed. Yeah, I don't remember him saying anything. Certainly didn't say like, hey, I did something inappropriate, right? right? So why is Billy Bush paying the price of this? Why is he the one that's not allowed to earn a living? Oh, that's right. You're double standard. You hear me talk about it all the time. It's your fake morality via social media is why Billy Bush isn't allowed to have a job. And he'll wash it away a little bit, starting tonight with Colbert, and then he'll do the, you know, apology circuit, and he'll be back on TV. It's about a year America makes you sit down. It's about a year. And then a couple other things happen, by the way. And then you just forget. You know what I mean? Like a couple of weeks ago, it was trophy hunting. Remember, you were all pissed about trophy hunting. And I screenshot 
I, I think it was 125 posts from different people about trophy hunting. In the week since, not one from one of those people about trophy hunting. You're just so easily moved around the board about what you care about today. I've been begging you guys for weeks now. Let's only gear up for the stuff we actually care about. But it's hard to do, man. Because you you got that megaphone in your pocket and you can reach the whole world. And everybody gets to know what your opinion right now is. Not your opinion on the thing overall, but your opinion the moment you hear about it. Why is Billy Bush not working in television right now? Why is that a thing? For laughing? For moving through what I'm sure was an uncomfortable situation? Makes no sense to me. But make no mistake, the voice on the tape is the president. Come on. Let's, let's, I mean, let's not be ridiculous about this. I mean, there's film of him going on the bus and then him coming off of the bus. It's like, like the, the audacity to say it's not you. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, it is you. <laughs> like, it's very easily proven. I mean, how hard is this to figure out? You were mic'd up. We, we, he's right. We, there's video of you there's getting video. on and off the bus. And I can listen to the tape and know. Now I get it. There are celebrity impersonators and the like it. So that I get. But come on. That's what we think it is? No way. It was him. He said it. I don't know why he's backing off of it now. It wasn't a big enough deal for you to lose the election. Why even bring it up? Like, why is this even a topic of conversation? Well, right I guess now? if Billy's saying something. Well, he Billy came out after Trump had said. Oh, it's that's yeah. right. The Billy was being reactionary. Yeah, here. I mean, that's like, why would you bring this up? Like, this, this is one of the things that I always say up. about President Trump is like, dude, just in the sense of like self-preservation, like think, look down the field a little bit. Like, just you, try to try to try to think of the long game. It's there. ego. It's ego. I remember, dude, Bill Burr talked about this with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And people said, how could you sleep with the maid and think that that was going to be okay? And it's like, dude, the guy moved from a place, moved here, got famous for lifting weights, became an actor even though nobody can understand him, ran for public office, and married a Kennedy. The guy was in the zone for four decades. Of course he thought he was going to be able to bang his maid. And when I heard Bill Burr say that, I'm like, dude, that makes sense. And there's a little bit of the same thing with Trump here, which is like, dude, why are you opening your mouth? Because nothing stops it. Like, there's nothing, no matter yeah, no what. No consequence. No consequences. So no matter what he says, of course he thinks he can say it. When you can just say whatever you want and there's never been a consequence for it, I would think I can say whatever I wanted to. But ironically, you people will hold me to a higher standard than we do to the people running the country. Crazy. Like, I'm not even allowed to say what the guy said. No, he wasn't president then. But still, if I said that term right here, I'm yanked off the air today, for sure. I have bad news, or an interesting news also, for local construction workers here in Stark County. We'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Canton's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Hey, welcome back to The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. We'll talk to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. We'll do that at 8. And then coming up at 9 o'clock, we'll talk to Dan Flowers, CEO of the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank. Again, raising over $103,000 on Friday for Long Haul Against Hunger. It was awesome. So much food, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're not, I mean, we're not even getting into the food. Yeah, it was, that was amazing. I, uh, I think it was hilarious. Long Haul Against Hunger. Obviously, a ton of you guys came out, said hello to us, which is greatly appreciated. I thought it was hilarious how many people want to get you out in a tree stand 
hunting down the animals, dude. There were so many dudes that came up and were like, Stansberry, you just let me know, bro. We're going hunting. Yeah, that was a big thing on Friday. So many people. That I'm going to do it. All right. So here's the thing, though. And I should have found the video this morning. I just completely forgot about that until Fantone said something right now. But you know what they have now? What is that? You know how, like, you know all winter when it's, like, freezing cold, I'll go and I'll play indoor golf. Yeah. They have indoor bow hunting. Okay. They have techno hunt. Okay. Where it's like you're in a stall like that, and you fire like a flat tip, like but you use a real compound bow, like you would use a real golf club to hit a ball into a screen, and you can practice like the bow into the compound bow thing via like the inside like digital screen. Like I might want to try that. Now, does digital golf give you the same like high? Right. So I thought about it because I I knew this was going to be the question. It's. It's better than not playing, but on a 75-degree day, am I going to choose to play inside versus outside? No, of course not. But will it get you through the addiction and missing playing? For sure it will. And I think that that would be a good way to see if I'm at least proficient in this or would enjoy it before I'm out there Sitting in the tree stand for six hours. Because you maintain that's what's going to be the problem oh, for yeah. me. 100% is the patience of it. I, I want to argue with you, but I got to, I, I, if, I'm, if I'm being honest, yeah, dude, patience is not, that's one of the reasons why I, why I went to golf, is because this job requires patience, golf requires it, and I figured, okay, this can help both things. And being a little bit more patient is something I would like to be able to be. But I will be honest, I'm not quite there yet. Maybe maybe, maybe the tree stand is the way to really get it, but I don't know. I just feel like things would go, would go south quickly. Michael Cush just wrote in and says, dude, I shot a deer Saturday morning. But I, I, would, I, I don't know if, the, if anybody has one of those. I heard Joe Rogan talking about it. Is it Techno Hunt? That's what it's called, where, the, where you can digital deer hunt. See, now that's the thing is I'm worried you're going to do that and you're going to go play Big Game Hunter or whatever. Cabela's Big Game Hunter they've got, you know. Yeah, you're I suck like, at All right, All right, I got this. And then you're going to try to really do it. It's going to be a different story. I had a bow when I was a kid. Like, we had to. Like, my brother and I both had to because my dad was such a big bow hunter. Now, he never took us, but he always, like, we would, he would set up the targets in the backyard. He would make us practice it. But, I mean, I haven't done that since I was a kid. So, I, I, yeah, I don't know. So many dudes wanted to go hunting with you. So many. Here's the thing. I know, it, it, I, not to sound egotistical, but I think a lot of that is, dude, they just want to hang out with you. And, dude, we're better off at the bar. Mm-hmm. You don't, I'm telling you right now. You, you would like me in the bar. I don't think you'd like me for four hours in a tree. I really don't. I really don't. I got to do this. I know we're up against it, but listen to this, dude. I found this to be crazy. From 2010 to 2016, All right. 325 men and women from Stark and Carroll counties have died from opioid overdoses. Now, those two counties make up the Canton-Maslin metropolitan you know, yeah. statistical era, right? Okay. The construction industry had 36 of those deaths, the most of any sector. They included drywallers, roofers, carpenters, painters, laborers, an electrician, a pipe fitter, okay. and a cement finisher. The industry also had the highest rate of opioid overdose deaths with more than 8 per 10,000 workers from 2010 to 2016. Any other business was just shy of two people per, two, to, wow. you know, per 10,000. Now, a couple of people from the unions are saying, we're shocked to find this out. And I'm not. Yeah. 
These are jobs where you can get hurt on the job. And what happens? What what is it? What is has America told me what this problem is about? It's about the fact that you get hurt, and then you go to the doctor. The doctor says, "Take these, and you'll feel better." And next thing you know, even though you're warned about it, you kind of get hooked on them. And I can see how it, it happened to my buddy Jerry, who was a dude. He was he was a fencing guy, right? Hurt his back, you know, putting up a fence. Was on disability, and the doctors just kept giving him oxycotton. And before we knew it. He, now, he's off of it now. It's been years now. But for, like, three years, my buddy was a completely different person and, like, addicted to Oxycontin. It was just, it was, it was, it was a byproduct of what happened. So that does happen. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. These are tough jobs, and... Uh, yeah, you're you going to get hurt sometimes. You, well, and, 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 you know, it's just going to be the bang on your body. I mean, you're, you're out there doing something like that, so it's easy to see how you start <laughs> down the rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Like, I guess there's some situations in life where it's like, well, if you're just doing it recreationally, that's... It, but this is, like, very easy to see of, like, well, yeah, of course you're going to go to the doctor with a bad back because you've been putting up drywall for the past 15 years, and, you it's know... not good for your body. Right, now you're 45 years old, and now you're knees are getting creaky and now you know you, and, you ever done that and and oh, dude, thank, thank god i don't have to do stuff like, like that. dude my cousin owns like a really good drywall company and so my brother and i did it for a little while dude it's miserable like it's so hard dude it's it, dude that job's hard um honestly i'm a little bit surprised and i guess in stark county if it's almost 10 percent of opioid related deaths I, I i mean honestly i wouldn't be surprised to find out a higher number yeah I, I my guess is that's probably like any other math any other study the number's probably actually higher or higher rather, workers are drug tested before getting into a union, and they face random tests while in the union. Um, but each trade has a different policy, and some are stricter than others. And discipline is progressive, they say, often starting with a suspension from work, followed by a requirement for treatment, and then ultimately, hey, we got to move forward because you can't get this together. Well, and certainly not everybody working in a construction job is working in a union. No, I mean, like, that's, no, no, no. That's and they, say, sure. they say that here is that, you know, that, that a lot of people aren't, you know, in the union as well. And if you're a union construction member and you've been prescribed an op- opioid as like pain management, at that point, they're not testing you for that, correct? So it's like, you know. I wonder how that works. I don't know. My guess is that if you're still being instructed to take the pills, you're probably still being instructed not to go back to the job site, right? Or, uh, or I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I bet you that's probably a union by union thing there, where it's different rules. Because I mean, it, it's certainly if they want to tell you no, you can't, you know, do you know, you can't take that pill and work here. They can, but I, hmm. I have a hard time believing that union members are going to uh, just swallow the fact that hey, my doctor told me to take this, and now you're telling me I can't take this. You know, your job is is what caused me to need this. And now you say I can't take it. I, I don't know if that's going to. I mean, you're not supposed to drive a car, so my guess is I don't know. You're probably not supposed to use the kind of machinery that a lot of construction workers would. But I mean, are, I but, mean, are people following the rules? What if I get home at five o'clock and all right, so I don't take any pills before I come into work, but I get home at five o'clock, my back's hurting me, I take that pill. I'm it's still, still gonna, in your system, I'm st- right? I'm still gonna, you know, the next day, even though I didn't take the pill in the morning. Yeah, I don't know how that works. I uh, I would imagine it's going to be in breach of their of their insurance policy, right? Yeah. To put somebody back out there? I don't know. I don't know. I would think, I mean, my buddy owns a construction company and he's like, and he's constantly talking about it, about how like the insurance 
of like how guys cannot pass these insurance screens they got to pass before taking the job because dude like this stuff is just running through the veins of everybody right now. Oh yeah, I mean I, I I've talked to tons of people who have said like there's jobs open for people but we just can't hire anybody because we can't get anybody that's passing the drug test right it's now. Amazing. It is man, but it, I guess I mean a little bit of you know this is the times we live in. Like it, it's sad to say that, but it's the truth. It says uh, I'm taking this from a construction worker here who says it depends upon the union, but it also depends on what you're prescribed. My one journeyman's prescribed Xanax, and he has to take them or else he has a mental freakout so that he's like, there are yeses and nos there. I don't know enough about Xanax. I don't know how it like necessarily affects your body and what you do. I know sometimes people will take it on a plane because it kind of like you know cools you out and you know what I mean. It, yeah. it, like it, well, it's about anxiety there, yeah. and then you know sometimes like you'll pass out. It's really dude. Xanax is amazing. Like that's an amazing drug. Is because Xanax is one of those drugs where people will look at somebody smoking pot and go drug addict, and then take three Xanax and get behind the wheel of a car. It's amazing that drug is how people don't really view Xanax as what it really is. Um, and you totally should. I mean, I, I, it's a powerful drug. I, I was gonna say. I mean, it's not like it's not like that's just like uh, an aspirin that you're dealing with there. No, Xan- Xanax is are powerful drugs. Um, all, all these things though, all all these issues. I'm sure a big part of it is too. Is it becomes a part of the culture. It becomes a part of you know your day to day conversations in the sense of like. If you're out on a construction site and one of your buddies that you've been working with and busting your ass with and you know hauling shingles up a ladder with is is complaining about something, you're going to give him a pill. You're going to be like, dude, I understand. I know you're hurting right now. Here's a Vicodin. You know what I mean? Like here's here's oh, something yeah, to get you, here's here's something to get you over the hump there. And then at that point, kind of becomes self serving. Well, not only that. And I don't want to excuse it all as like doctors over prescribing because let's be honest, sometimes people just take stuff just because it feels yeah, good. Yeah. And I've worked on enough construction sites. I haven't done it in a long time now, but back before, you know, I mean, a lot of this happened. I worked on a ton of that, you know, kind of stuff. And I've never seen more coolers filled with beer and dudes getting hammered all day, climbing fences and climbing ladders and doing all this stuff, 12, 13, 14 beers in. So if that's true, I can't necessarily then deny the fact that some of those guys are just taking stuff just because they want to and then are out there doing that. And so my guess is, is that there's part of that. But I just was shocked by that number, that it was like the highest Number. I mean, I knew it was going to be. I knew. I mean, when your body comes into play, you're going to take pills to make your body feel better. I just, man, thirty. What was it? Thirty-five of them or something? Thirty-six of them. Man, that's like a lot. The the second closest industry was two people. Construction had thirty-six of them. Man, that's a lot. We're going to find out next on the Stansberry Show whether or not your penis smells. We'll find out next on Rock 106.9. Good morning. The Stansberry Show. Or the God of your choosing. Best morning ever. Kent's Rock Station. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. We're on Rock 106.9. Online at WRQK.com. Actually, I found a... um, I found a video that goes along with Techno Hunt because guys were coming up at Long Haul saying, dude, I want to take you hunting. You've been talking about it. I want to take you out. I'll take you out there. Fantone doesn't think I could hunt. Don't think he could. And so I found out about Techno Hunt, which is indoor hunting like indoor golf. You use a real compound bow, but they change the arrow, obviously, so you don't go through the screen. But then like you can like practice like slaying the animals down with the bow. 
I bet all those dudes who invited you out to go hunting are saying to themselves, well, Stansberry, that's just playing video games. That's not hunting. <laughs> like, that's, that's, not, that's not real. I don't know. I don't feel like indoor golf is playing video games. That can help you with your... Sh- I mean, it can... Is, are they 100% distance-wise and all that stuff accurate? No. But what indoor golf will help you do is tempo, rhythm, setup, grip, all that stuff. It'll help with all that stuff. So if that's good enough for that, this has to be at least at least adjacent, right? I'd like to know a hunter's opinion. I'm sure they do it. Although hunting you do in the cold. Like that's part of I mean that's the season yeah. when you're doing it. So I don't be out there now. Right? I mean I, I so I don't know. I mean I don't know. I don't know how that works. That video is available for you at WRQK.com. If you want to check that out. So men's health wants to get rid of an issue. Okay. And this is all about the smelly penis. Jeez. Apparently they just stink. Jeez. They're just awful. They say here, your groin is the perfect incubator for unpleasant smells. It's hot. It's going to be a little humid there. Yeah. And it's tucked beneath your clothing there. So it doesn't get a lot of of the the exposure there. So they say sweat and moisture are going to mix with your natural bacteria that's on your skin and it will cause body odor. This is a dermatologist letting us know this. They say your, your groin contains a number of glands that release secretions. That when mixed with your natural sweats can lead to some alarming sense there. And they say, even if you've never smelled something nasty coming from your your groin or heard complaints from females about it, which, by the way, a lot of people, you think sometimes because people don't complain to you about something doesn't mean that that means that it's not real. No, sometimes just people are uncomfortable and don't want to tell you things. Oh, yeah. You got best friends that won't tell you you got a booger hanging from your nose. Don't be shocked when a woman doesn't tell you that your penis stinks. Yeah, smelly deep in one of those things. They say there are unsightly smells lurking underneath your underwear. And it's stopping your partner from wanting to perform oral sex, they say here. I mean, I don't think anybody can realistically make the claim that they've never smelled their own junk before. Like, I think, uh, come on now, right, right, right. At some point or another, everyone's been like, damn, dude. All right. Yeah. And again, this is what I love about doing a radio show. Is because sometimes I think I'm insane, right? And sometimes I think I'm like, all right, well, maybe this is maybe this is a problem that's only like affecting me, right? And then we start talking about something. And I'm like, oh, thank God, I thought I was a freak, because there are there have been times throughout my life, even recently, like it happens here sometimes, because I'll shower mostly I'll shower at night, or in the mid afternoon, late afternoon, then go to bed, and then wake up, come here, and then I just want to be able to sleep a little later, so I don't I don't right. always take a shower before I come into work in the morning. Now I like it better when I do that, and I normally feel better when I shower in the morning. But like yesterday, took a shower late last night, went to bed, woke up, came in here. And so sometimes during a break, I'll run to the bathroom. Like anybody else, got to use the bathroom while I'm at work. And sometimes, dude, I'll just walk up to the urinal and I'll unbutton, you unzip there, and you'll just, you'll remove 
yourself from inside your clothing there. And so sometimes I'll just be standing at the urinal and I'll get a, like a waft of it, like hit my nose. And it just like, it's so gross that I'm like, how is that happening? Well, like I'm not dirty. I, I showered what, yesterday. What I was going to say is if this is happening in under 12 hours for you without doing anything like in particularly active, maybe that is a cause for concern. I'm saying if you haven't showered in 24 hours and you've masturbated three times. And, what is you know, masturbating going to have to do Well, with? I mean, and you haven't cleaned yourself. You haven't showered. You haven't done anything like that, dude. That's that's all going to build up in your crotch there, dude. Like, I guess the grease from your fingers. Oh, yeah. I mean, like everything about it's going to start to build up in there. So, like, Ooh. yeah. I mean. You got to make sure that you're cleaning yourself on a regular basis. I don't see why that should be news to anybody. There have been times where I've gone a couple of days without taking a shower with this job. You don't see anyone. You get into the winter and it's like, all right, well, I'm not sweating. All right, let's go two days. I mean, I've done it. I don't really like I really like the shower. It, um. I don't know. It's I, dude. I think in there. I, I don't know. I get a clear head in there. I, I like the shower a lot. I'm a big fan of it. You get a clean crotch in there. <laughs> That's very important. They say here, pubic hair trap will trap your dampness. It makes it difficult for the underlying skin to stay cool and dry. They say don't shave yourself bare necessarily, but pruning it with a beard trimmer can help the gross odors at bay. I think most dudes are probably manscaping these days, right? I don't know if most, but I'd hope to think a significant amount of us are. I gotta be honest with you. My entire manscaping is all about sex. Like, if I feel like I'm not going to get laid for a while, I don't care about pubic hair myself. Like, it doesn't bother me get my way. But if I, like if sex is going to be on, like, if I think it's an option. Like, as a matter of fact, sex crept up on me Saturday night. Like, I didn't know. Right? Like, I had no idea sex was going to be on the menu. And then all of a sudden, did you meet somebody at the show or whatever? And we, we got to talking or whatever. And then next thing I know, there we are. And I had no idea that was going to be the thing. And I remember driving to the place where, where we were meeting up. And I was like, when's the last time I did that? And, like, I got in there and I looked. I was like, all right, well, we're good. Like, we're good. Like, I haven't done it, like, right. real recently. But it's not like, oh, my God, look at you, dude. Like, you, what are you doing there? Right. So it's like... I, I Maybe think, that's how guys handle it. Is like, you know what I mean? Like women, like, dude, they don't care if their underwear doesn't match if they're not going to have sex. Like, maybe that. Maybe it's like that. I, I think. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I think most women would probably prefer at least somewhat manscaped in the sense of like you don't want it to be just completely, well, you know, un, untamed territory. Down. You're not there. trying to turn pubic hair into dental floss, right? Um, but. They're going to forgive a lack of manscaping versus a stank a lot easier. You, you know what so? I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I know we would. Smelly crotch is 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 that dude? That's a huge turnoff for anybody. I don't think anybody's like, damn, dude, that's you know acceptable. Most people are going to find that pretty repulsive. They say wash the area like you mean it, and you know they're saying here, dude. A lot of guys will just get like wet and think that that's enough. And I got to tell you, dude, like I'm pretty anal about the shower. Like, I have multiple scrubs and, like, like um, I, I guess sponges is what you call them. But I have a waist-down sponge. I have a waist-up sponge. I have, like, a, a facial exfoliator thing. Like, I take the shower pretty seriously. 
And I guess there's probably some dudes who just think that, like, all right, man, I use, like, a, a soapy washcloth and just generally wiped in that area. Oh, no. You got to spend a little bit more time down Lift there, them up. Dude. You got to spend a little bit more down. time. Yeah, there's, 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 what do I want to say? There's hiding places. There's nooks and crannies like an English muffin down there. Got to make sure you get everything taken care of. They also say here that part of the problem is that you're not, you're not drying off properly. Oh, uh, okay. And so you're yeah. just, like, damp. And putting clothes on top of it, and then you just stink. And it's like, yeah, dude, trap water in a glass and leave it there for a couple of days, and then go smell it. It's going to be nasty. Yeah, I mean, you're just, at that point, you're just turning your crotch into, like, an incubator around there. You've just got all sorts Disgusting. of things growing. They say use a blow dryer on it to make sure you're completely dry. That's a, uh, what do I want to say? That's I, I, don't a that's, I, don't know, I don't know if that's an everyday move, but dude, if you've got a big day coming up, you know, maybe job interview or something like that, that's a power move right there. Stand there, Captain Morgan it with, you know, one leg up on the toilet, pull, pull your girlfriend's hair dryer out, you'll be fine. I feel like there's going to be a singeing of the, of, of, of the, the top there. Yeah, I, I don't recommend the blow dryer on the pubic hair. And worst case scenario here is like you said, you had no idea sex was on the itinerary, but all of a sudden it is. Yeah, it just crept up on me. Guys, I know this doesn't sound like this is something you should do, but I'm, awesome. I'm telling you right now, it's better to go sink wash your junk than to just pull it out out of your boxers and just expect, you know, hey, That's whatever fair. happens, whatever happens. Yeah, take a horse bath. Dude, go, yeah. go, go zip flop and wash that boy up, and then all of a sudden, dude, you're back out there, and at least it's not disgusting. You know what I can't believe they don't have, and maybe they do have it, is the penis cleansing sheath, right? Like, the, the, the thing that, you know what I mean? Like, it's the same motion, right? And what a perfect way to clean it. Oh, dude, we're dude, we're gonna patent those and sell them. The Stansberry penis sheath. I feel like that's a good idea. Maybe they have them already. I bet France or somebody has one of those. Somebody. But yeah, dude, if you go to the bathroom and you can smell your groin, go home and take a shower. God, that's gross. Ugh. Ugh. We talk about tattoos on this program a lot. Somebody is losing their eyesight. Over a tattoo. We'll give you that story next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. I have got to get in on this. Rock 106.9. Hey guys, you guys, Stansberry here from North Kenton Collision. The folks you call 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. Before the break, we were talking about, uh, you know, sometimes like the groin region. According to Men's Health, says, you know, your penis will just get funky. Right. Just get a funk on it. Right. And uh, I had a woman hit me up who listens to the show a lot. She was like, dude, the same thing happens to us with our cleavage and our bra. She's like, sometimes I'll just take my bra off and I'll just be like, you can just like smell it. So gross. So then like another woman, Jill, writes in about her husband or boyfriend. Apparently, dude, he has a fan set up in the bathroom to dry the front and the back. Good for him. Like, she's got fans up there. And she also says, here, look, she's like, and baby powder is a man's best friend for the groin. Now, like, you remember a couple of months ago, I moved into uh, into the gold bond territory. I started bonding up. And I got to tell you, like, that stuff had, now, I got, like, the nightfall scent or right. whatever. Um, but it carries its own odor to it. It's not bad, but it definitely has its own scent. And, like... How that mixes with your body, like a cologne, may make it smell different. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would imagine it's 
you know, it's like uh, it's like, pheromones. Like, it's like people who think they can like spray some Axe body spray on them, then they don't smell like weed anymore. It's like no, you're not like you're not cleaning. You're just covering up right there. So you're just gonna deal with like a, a smelly crotch that now kind of smells like what'd you say, Nightfall? A yeah, that's what it's called. There. It's called the Nightfall scent. It's like it's like uh, it's like a brown can. It's very. I remember I described it the first time around as urban. There's it like is. that's the that's the scent urban. to me. It's like Z1079. It is right it's, there. It's the yeah. It's the, that that is the Z1079 of Gold Bond. I, I think it's I think it's you know worth mentioning too. Your the close proximity of the crotch and your butt crack and like if you're not cleaning all of that out, dude, and you pull your pants oh, down on all of a sudden, from right, one, right, right, mix other. it in the other right there. So I guess the moral of this story is clean your crotches, people. <laughs> like, like what are, what are we doing? It's amazing, right? How smells can do certain <laughs> things like that. Like honestly, like you ever notice like do women sometimes will like not like, you know, like like the bee sweat there. Right. But like when you're sweating hard working on the house or whatever, like sometimes like a woman would say, No, don't take a shower. I like the way you stink. You ever have a woman tell you that? Oh yeah. She likes the way you smell? Yeah. Um it's weird. It's 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 one of those things that I, I feel like plenty of women have, you know, like maybe you just came back from the gym and that's like uh, erotic, but that's that's different or like a like a hard day's work. That's different than like just sitting around stanking on it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I don't think I think it's one thing if it's pheromones from like sweat and hard work. It's another thing if it's just like yo, your 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 junk stinks. Yeah, there is a difference between man, I just wrenched on something for two hours versus right. I haven't showered in a week. And I always feel like even even in those smelly moments where she's like, "Oh yeah, you smell masculine, you smell manly," probably less likely at that point to you know orally service at that point, right? I mean, you're like, yeah, yeah I, want, I don't know, I yeah, want to have guess. sex, but I don't necessarily want to put my mouth on that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would be more dis. I know uh, me as a person, I would be more discerning. Like if she just got off the volleyball court, I might geez. be like. Yeah, I don't know about that. I got a quickie in me, but I'm not I'm right. not sure. I'm not right. sure I have this in me. Listen to this, dude. A model wanted to tattoo her eyeball purple. Right. Right? So now, after having done it, she's at risk of losing her eye entirely. She's had excruciating pain and some compromised vision. Why did you not assume that that's what was going to happen? What the hell did you think? I mean, honestly, I have a very hard time feeling bad for anybody that's in this situation. Purple ink had been oozing out of her eye and trickled down her face the next day. The eye was swollen shut and eventually became painfully infected. Three weeks later, the internal swelling remained and doctors told her she was at risk of going permanently blind in the affected eye. Of course. Now, here's what I want to know. Obviously, you can get like a jail tat, and she's got like a Nintendo controller tattooed on her chest, okay. and it doesn't look fantastic. So uh, my guess is like these may not be like the best of the tattoo artists out there. But why? And I don't know. Can I don't even know the answer to this. If you can or cannot tattoo an eyeball, I don't know. I'm going to assume that any no. any reputable tattoo shop would have absolutely nothing to do with it. That's kind of my point here. Is is like. There's a case here, right? Um, I don't know. Did she sign something? Did she, you know? Now, at the end of the day, does when if if I'm like the board of health and I see this happen, your tattoo artist license done? Well, dude. yeah, that's and that's what I was curious about. Is like I know to get like to be able to cut people's hair, you have to do like state boards, and it's hours and hours and hours of that stuff, and you have to like redo it every once in a while, and like they get because you're using basically a weapon on somebody's head to cut things off of their head, and. So 
so they want to be able to know that you're doing it right. I would have, and I don't know, and I should. My buddy owns two tattoo shops. You think I would? No, there's a, there's like a certification. Yeah, in but it. you have to be certified, right? Yeah, you just can't you just can't buy a tattoo gun, say that you're going to open up a tattoo shop and go start doing it. I mean, no, no, you have to apprentice and all right, that. Right. So what I'm saying is like, how did they? I mean, there's. I would have to imagine that much like a doctor. Now, not that tattoo artists are doctors, but aren't they supposed to know better for me and turn me like they're supposed to turn you away if you're inebriated? Yes, they're supposed to. Um, are they? Do all of them do? Do all no. of them? And this is probably one of those situations too. I don't know. Was this an American story or was this uh, across the pond? Or I something? believe it's across the pond. Okay, yeah. so we're getting into different conversations there. But that's true. Th- and, and 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 it's not like every you know. There's plenty of doctors that are supposed to turn you away if you're you know addicted to drugs and you're supposed to not. Well, maybe I shouldn't be giving them any more pills, but yeah, they still right. do that. So I just can't believe somebody was stupid enough to let somebody stab you in the eye. Like I again, I don't have any tattoos. But you're supposed to what, like lube them down and wrap them in, in, in what, in like a saran wrap and all that stuff to help with the scar and you're all. Supposed like, to clean it. It's supposed yeah, to, you know. I mean, how are you supposed to do it. that with your eyeball? Like, I don't understand why anybody would have thought that would be a good idea. Like, I remember, like, this is the craziest thing I remember from like the tattoo world, and this is uh, this will show you how far the world's come. Like, when I was in high school, my buddy Billy tattooed like his girlfriend's name. In the inside of his lip, like in his lip, and we all thought like that's like the craziest thing you're ever gonna see. Now those are normal, right? Not even a big deal anymore. Now, now that, and, oh my god, I just, I, I, your, I, I, dude, I have a problem putting contact lenses in my eyes. I got, I have, I have zero sympathy for this person. Like most times, it's like, oh well, dude, you know it's tough. You're gonna lose your eyeball. Don't care at all. Your own fault here, woman. Anthony's writing in says this is a new trend. People are tattooing the whites of your eyes. Oh my god. I can't believe how stupid that is. Just get some cool, like, weird contacts and do that and just be done with it. We'll talk to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. We'll do that next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. That guy knows how to party. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to The Stansberry Show, Rock 106.9. We do it every Monday at 8. We talk to Scott from WaitingForNextYear.com. Today shall be no different. Hey, Scott, how are you, buddy? Doing all right, man. Good weekend. How about you guys? I'm doing very well. Before I get into it, should be eight teams. Before I go there, or before I should, you know, Hugh should be fired, I have to ask you about some rumors about the Cavs that are heating up. And apparently we're thinking about a DeAndre Jordan for Tristan Thompson move. Uh, I don't know who we is. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, it, 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 to, if so, to me, the to tracing it back, you know how they do those, uh, you know, hey, whomever columns in the plane dealer? Yes. Right. Uh, like, hey, hey Hoinsey, right. you know, do you think they should trade for Giancarlo Stanton? You know, that kind of thing. Um, you know, so I, I'm led to believe someone asked Joe Varden in, in the Cavs version of that um, if, they should, if they should consider a trade for DeAndre Jordan. Clippers are struggling. Um, Jordan's a rim protector. Uh, I think he's a free agent, I believe, next year. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, people trying to link that together. Cavs need a center. Um, they have, you know, tradable assets. They have that Brooklyn pick. They're, you know, the whole thing. And I don't think, you know, I think Joe said something along the lines of it would make sense. And then the next thing you know, we're trying to trade Tristan Thompson for DeAndre Jordan. So I don't know if there's any credence to it. I, I know the Clippers had to pull Jordan off the floor when when they played the Warriors because he couldn't keep up with yeah, Draymond Green. Right. And so if if you're yeah, yes, he would help you during the regular season and during points of the playoffs. We don't need that. 
But if you're looking for if you're looking for someone to keep up with Draymond Green, you know that's that's Tristan Thompson. So I don't I don't quite know how they, how the Cavs would be long term better off with that deal. I hate the move. I'll be honest with you. I hate the idea of that move. DeAndre Jordan to me seems like a throwback old NBA big man, and the league has changed, and that's not what you want your big to be anymore. And I just think, and I don't think he can defend the way we need him to. I hate the idea of DeAndre Jordan to the Cavs. Hate it. I don't think yeah, I mean a lot of good highlights. I mean he dunks hard, you know, but you know, but he you know, if if, if you think Tristan Thompson's a liability at the end of games from right. the free throw line, you haven't seen DeAndre Jordan shoot free throws. I would um, I don't like that move at all. You know, so I I I you know, it'd be a splashy move. I don't think the Cavs would be better off if they did it. I think Marcus All would make a much better fit there. I mean, if 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 you're looking at better. like who would who would you know actually come into the Cavaliers and fit the organization, I think Marcus All would make much more sense. That's a better fit. Uh, but let's talk about Cavaliers that are actually on the roster or kind of sort of on the roster, or maybe on the roster. Uh, Derek Rose has been said to have had positive conversations with the Cavaliers. Is there any chance that he comes back and is a positive? contributing member of this basketball team? I Well, I think there's a chance he comes back. Um, you know, I think he's a, there's a chance he is a positive contributor if he can excel in the role he was brought here to be a part of. You know, he wasn't brought here to be a 28-minute starting point guard. Um, and I think once, you know, things shake out and you could put Isaiah Thomas, you know, hopefully in the starting lineup and then, you know, maybe bring Rose off the bench in some fashion, um, I think I think he could help. You know, the issue again is much like at the start of the season. However, you know, if you, when you had Rose starting and Wade as the starting shooting guard, they were a disaster. And if you have Wade and Rose as your as your reserve backcourt, um, you know, I don't think that 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 works out well. So it'll be quite, it'll be a heck of a challenge for Ty Lue. Um, You know, I know we talk about you know early on about how deep these guys are and how many pieces they are, and you know when when. Derrick Rose is potentially your 11th or 12th man. You're 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 in pretty good shape, but I don't think we just you know we I think we shortchange how big of a challenge that is for a head coach to try and allocate minutes to a lot of guys who who want you know playing time. You're starting to see the uh, lobbying for Dwayne Wade as sixth man of the year. You're starting to see a lot of you know these these these, these roles starting to shake out and they're playing well within them. So adding new pieces and new players. Will be will be a bit of an issue, and Derek, given how you know he didn't quite play well before the injuries, um, you know has has a lot to prove, and uh, it'll be up to Ty to make that work. We're talking to Scott from WinningForNextYear.com. Uh, I, I want to move into college football now, as Ohio State fans are pissed. They kind of feel like Ohio State. I, I, I believe uh, the college football committee has them at fifth, not fourth. I believe Alabama snuck in there, or at least people believe Alabama snuck in before Ohio State. I said all year Ohio State did not feel like a national championship football team to me. They were up and down. People have been calling for JT Barrett, the quarterback, to be benched all year. I'm not sure if you call for a quarterback to be benched all year that your team is in position to win a national championship or should be. Can you help? I mean, you were at the Iowa game where they lost by 31, by the way. Can you? You're welcome, Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Can you maybe help my, under, my listeners understand why Ohio State's being left out? So, Ohio State got their doors blown off by Iowa. Right. Um, and lost to Oklahoma. You, you, so, they, they lost to Oklahoma at home. Now, Oklahoma's a very good team, as evidenced by them making the Final Four. Uh, but you lost to Iowa, you know, and, and a day game. You know, it, was, it meant nothing, and you got your doors blown off. I think it was a 31-point loss. 
Um, Alabama's loss was to Auburn on the road. Um, and, you know, that's, that's when, when Auburn, yeah, yeah, Auburn didn't win the, you know, the SEC. They, they got beat handedly by Georgia. But you can't lose to, to Iowa and then say you're better than Alabama. Yeah, yes, Alabama has a weak schedule. I think the week that Ohio State played Michigan, they played Mercer. Um, you know, which, which sounds more like a, a 116 matchup in a March Madness bracket than it does a final week of a college football play or season. I but agree with at the end that. of the day, I would agree with um, that. But, at the, but at the end of the day, you can't, you can't, you, you never before has a two loss team gotten in for one. Um, and two, you know, the, you, you just can't lose to Iowa. Had they lost, had they beaten Iowa and lost to Wisconsin, I think they would have had a better argument. Than, uh, than than they did um, with 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 the Iowa loss and winning the Big Ten championship. So just yeah, you're probably right. About kind of way it goes. You're if you right if you if you want to if you want to get in the championship, don't lose two games, and and don't and don't lose the teams that not only don't lose the teams that you that you should beat handily, beat the teams handily that you should beat handily. Don't don't squeak by, you know some of these other you know some of these other teams. I know the final score was was fine, um, but you you know you like you like to, to your point. No no state of well, I want the bench quarterbacks more so than Ohio. But JT Barrett didn't do himself many favors, you know, throwing the ball the way he did. And, it, you know, just the way it is. And, and truthfully, I don't think it's that bad because if you, getting matched up against Clemson again, um, you know, they probably did Ohio State a favor and, and putting them against USC uh, and, not, and, not, uh, and not the best team in football. I think there's also a chance, a chance USC beats Ohio State. I, and I, and I, think, I think there is too. I think if you see that happen, then maybe Buckeye fans might go, Oh, all right. This is really not our year. I just think Buckeye fans—they're so unrealistic about where about who they are. They're so entitled. Now, I love the Buckeyes, but their fans can be. I mean, Munch is the biggest like Buckeye honk you can find, and he's the first one to be like, "Yeah, dude, the fans kind of are are really annoying about it. They just are. They're just really entitled and kind of annoying about where they think their football team should be." Now, Browns fans, on the other hand. Have been dealt, have been felt, have been dealt a disaster for two decades, and yet still show up to the games. Now I know they were on the road yesterday, and dude, Kaiser is what Kaiser is, right? He's a turnover machine in the red zone. You had the you had the best tweet of the day yesterday, by the way. Scott tweeted out yesterday at WFNY Scott, I believe is your handle, and you had uh, you had tweeted out that if only the twenty yard line was the end zone, which is like the greatest Brown tweet I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean they're bad. They are so. There's some advanced stats. I don't, I don't have them in front of me, um, but the Browns nets. There's a, they keep track of net points in red zone. So like what what you're when you get into the red zone, what your average point total is over the course of the season versus what you give up um, when you let other teams into the red zone. And the Browns are this this Browns team is like historically bad at that metric like and like across the entire history of the NFL wow. in terms of not scoring points when getting into the red zone and then allowing a boatload of points not holding teams that not holding teams to field goals allowing touchdowns in you know in the red zone so they're it's you know one part of it's just you know bad defense but the other part of it is the complete inability to capitalize like the browns aren't settling for field goals they're just turning the ball over and and, and leading with zero and when you when you do that, you're just not going to win football games. I, I don't know how they covered you know, that game yesterday, but thanks to Vegas giving them 15. But I, I mean, it was just one of those games where again, you just saw that you almost want to set it to music with Bosa running straight at Deshaun Kaiser and him backpedaling right into him to, to to fumble that ball. I mean, it's 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 bad. I, and I don't I don't quite know how you fix that facet 
of a, of a team's weakness. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers didn't look in particularly good yesterday, no. but they looked leaps and bounds better than the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just it, – as, as it's been every week this, this year, it's just been blatantly obvious that the Browns truly are the worst team in football. I feel like I've been asking this question to you, Scott, for the, for the last year, maybe Two. even longer than that at this point. Um, but, dude, I mean, Hugh Jackson's seat could get no hotter, correct? I, I don't see how. Um the the only I, so there, there's going to be two saving graces here. Um, one is a Green Bay Packers team without Aaron Rodgers, and the other one is a Bears team that looks really really bad as well. Um, you know they they, they 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 probably have a better defense um, than the Browns, but their their offense. I mean they're they're only scoring points on in special teams at this stage. Um, so if if the Browns can somehow hold you know. The, the, their run game to nothing and make Mitch Trubisky throw the ball. Maybe they win there, um, but yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, to your point, Fantone, it's they're you know the, the Chargers are a six and six team, so they they're like the middle of the pack, right? When you talk about AFC football, and they were a fifteen point favorite against the, the Cleveland Browns. So that and so just just put that in perspective. You know, more than two touchdowns. Man, favorite against the middle of the pack football team. So I, I mean, I think they're three and a half dogs to Green Bay, uh, which which hey, anything can happen there. But I mean, I I don't even know if winning those, even if they won both of those games, uh, I I don't know if that saves Hugh Jackson the way it saved Eric Mangini when he rattled off four straight back in like '06 or '07, whatever that was. They're uh, they're a mess, and I think they're going to be a mess for a little while longer. And I'm I'm all for it. Fine, you want to fire the coach, I'm fine with it. But my problem is, is who's going to take this job that's going to be able to turn it around? This is a terrible <laughs> – no, it is. It's a terrible yeah. job. It's an awful job. You have, you have ownership that the NFL might want to remove because of other business doings and other businesses. You have, you have not a GM. You have a baseball guy evaluating football talent. You have – it's a mess. Nobody can point to me the X's and O's genius that's like, you know, that Cleveland Browns job, pretty good gig. Like, you show me who's going to think this. Dude, like high school coaches would be considered for this job. It is a bad job job so i don't know who you're gonna get yeah you know they got their man like they what like hugh jackson was number one on the list yeah. when they when they hired him um and i and i remember talking to you about it um you know they they you you wouldn't have you couldn't have done better at that at that at that stage um you know the only saving grace again it's there's only 32 jobs um they'll pay pretty well because they'll lock you up in a five-year deal and then even if you get fired after two yeah, you know, you can you can at least you can bank on that. Um, and then the other thing is, if you want to build a team, I mean, this team is what 13, 14 draft picks next year. Um, you know, so there is there are some building blocks. Um, you know, so if you're trying to sell somebody on it, that's it. But again, I don't know what the answer is. I've heard a lot of rumors of uh, Deep Podesta, you know, calling it quits after this. You know, he wanted to be here like a, as like a consultant, and now is going to you know potentially you know ride into the sunset a little bit. Oh, awesome. um, Nice. You know, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard ele- rumors of elevated, you know, say for Andrew Barry, which I would be all about. Um, you know, since they won't name a GM and they have him as like the, um, you know, head of player personnel or whatever. I mean, very bright kid. Um, you know that that I think is is a football guy, quote unquote. You know, so there's a lot of maneuvering they can do. But yeah, I mean, we go through this every year. It seems where, you know, it, it, it goes back to the the Peyton Manning thing, right? Like, we want Peyton Manning here, allegedly, and his ties are to Jimmy Haslam and everything. But if any other team in the NFL wants him, why would he come to this to here?
right? I mean, if it's the Saints or the or the Titans or whomever, both of both of whom I believe won yesterday, um, you know that then they're you know you're going to go for those teams. These these, these playoff with these division winning or you know wild card teams that still have upside and have a quarterback in place. You know, you're going to go there. You're not going to want a you know rebuilding project. But hey. Somebody out there. Everybody thinks they're the savior and want, and it can be the hero. And ego. right. You know, I don't know who. I don't know. I don't know who it would be, but it would take a hell of an ego and a hell of a lot of patience to uh, to take the gig. Yeah, I have no. There's there's no legit football coach with a great record that wants that job. There just isn't. It's a terrible lose lose situation being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. You're not going to be able to turn it around. It's officially over. I'm saying, dude, they'll ne- they're never going to get it turned around. That's mo- well, in the coffin. That's how I feel now. I feel like, dude, they have screwed it up so far. And to be- Podesta, oh, now I'm going to walk out. Thanks, Dick. You light the whole goddamn thing on fire for a year and a half, and then you're just going to stroll away from it. Awful. They are a mess. They are an abomination and should be yanked out of the league. That's Scott for waiting for next year.com. I'm so pissed, Scott, because all my <laughs> listeners told me they were gonna win six all my listeners told me they were gonna win six games and I was negative. And here we sit one and twenty-seven. Good grief. They are terrible. We'll talk to Scott next Monday at eight o'clock. Check out waitingfornextyear.com. More Sansbury show right around the corner. Hang on. And welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're online at WRQK.com. And we have a pair of tickets to see Foreigner with Whitesnake and Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin. That'll be July 10th at, uh, at Blossom. Yeah, there July it 10th. is. Tickets are on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. These will be the box office tickets. See Foreigner, Whitesnake, Jason Bonham. It's a lineup right there. What does Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin mean? Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin Evening. I mean, Jimmy Page isn't part of that, right? No, I would doubt it. I saw, I remember Page and Plant did a tour in 96 and they played what was, well, what is the cue now? And I think it was actually John Paul Jones and then John Bonham's kid, like Jason Bonham played. So it was pretty much Led Zeppelin in 96. And I went to that and it was awesome. They were amazing that year. But I don't know what... I mean, Jason's a great drummer, but... As far as I can tell, it is just an homage to his father's band. So going up there is probably the best Led Zeppelin cover band in the world. Yeah, I would hope they'd be at least that. But you're getting Foreigner and Whitesnake on that bill as well. We'll pass those tickets out here momentarily. 1-800-243-7625, the number you'll need on those. You know, people were hitting me up while we were talking to Scott from winningfornextyear.com. Yeah. About the Owen 16 parade, and people ask me, you know, how I feel yeah. about the Owen 16 parade. And ultimately, dude, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to go to an Owen 16 parade. Like, I'm not the kind of guy who's going to, like, waste my time to go someplace to celebrate loserdom. Like, that's just not what I'm going to do. But I talked to my buddy about this over the weekend, and he and he's, like, a bigger Browns fan than both of us. Dustin. He's, like, dude, he's the biggest Browns fan you'll meet in your entire life. Like, right. he still thinks, dude, here we are. The, the season's almost over. He still thinks they're going to win six games. Like, he's just, dude, like, that's who he is, right? He just loves them. And he said, and I thought he had a great point. He was like, look, I don't like it. I'm not going to go. But if you're going to be so piss poor that this is your record 1-27 or whatever this is now, he's like, I do like the fact that the Browns are going to hate the fact that it's happening. Oh, you deserve the mockery. There's no question about it. Like, well-deserved. And he thinks that there's a chance that maybe if this ends up having to happen, 
Because that's going to get national attention. Yep. Like, ESPN's going to cover that. Yep. FS1 will be all over it. Like, it'll get national attention. Right? That they're going to kind of have to fix it at that point. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, listen, I, it'll get national attention. They'll be the laughing stock of the NFL, but they've been that way forever. I don't know, like, what decision can they make where it's like, all right, well, now we're going to fix it. I, I, I feel like they're incapable of fixing it, and that's the problem. Like, it's it's not like you can shame somebody into doing something they're incapable of doing. I mean, the only thing they did right last year was not taking Mitch Trubisky. That was, like, the only thing they did right was not taking that kid at a high draft pick. Because he played what two good games and how do like they haven't scored since? Um, yes, I mean there's definitely, but that if that's if that's your silver lining, that's a that's a terrible like that's a that's a low low bar right there. And again with Kaiser, you got to remember this kid's younger than the quarterbacks who are coming out this next year in Rosen and Darnold. He's younger than both of them. I honestly, I would say one of the things of the Brown season that like I will walk away with saying like okay about. Is I feel like Deshaun Kaiser, he gets another shot next year. I mean, I know that's like, but like, I mean, they're going to draft a kid. Well, yeah, yeah, you definitely want to draft somebody because you don't know if he's the answer. But I don't think it would be fair to say definitively Deshaun Kaiser, terrible quarterback. The story's been written on that guy because he's had moments of like brilliance. He's had moments of like, oh my god, that that was very impressive. Um, but yes, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to at least draft somebody and prepare to move away from it. I loosened up on the kid once I found out he was younger than Rosen and Darnold. Like, I wanted to be all hard on him, but then when I found that out, I was like, well, Jesus, dude, he's starting way too early then. Nobody, I don't care who you are, I don't care if you're, if you're you know, if you're the clone of Joe Montana from 1989, you're not going to be able to come out there and just wheel your way into victory with a with a team that's this devoid of talent. So, like, I, I, I listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying, like, Deshaun Kaiser, future MVP of the league or anything like that, but I think he deserves at least another go at it. Um, and I don't know, as far as this 0-16 parade goes, I don't know, I'll probably go. You know what I'm saying? Not because I'm like, oh, dude, I gotta be a part of this, but a little bit of like, man, it's a big spectacle, and like, yeah, I feel like got obligated to like, you know. The only reason I'm interested to go is because of what I do for a living. Right, right. Like, right, if, right. like if I did not do this for a living, I would have zero interest to go to that. Because it does, I, there is a little bit of me that kind of feels the way a lot of people do, which is, dude, I don't want to celebrate awful. I don't want to celebrate loserdom. But is this a celebration or is this a mockery? It's both. It's both. You're celebrating the mockery that is the Browns. Like, there's a little bit, because guys, part of the national attention will be, will be you. It won't be the Browns. It will be your pathetic. That's the way the late night hosts are going to play it. Is that the team's pathetic, but so are the fans who are so desperate that they'll go to this. You're going to be sold on TV and radio as the ones being pathetic, not Jimmy Haslam. They're going to be making fun of you. And that's part of the reason where it's like, I don't necessarily want to contribute to that. No, I'm not going to mow, mow you over with my car! Like whatever his, whatever the wife beater had said last year. I, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. But, like, it does kind of celebrate loserdom. I don't know. I think it's making fun of it. I, 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 and I, 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 can, I can agree with you that there's going to be people who spin it the other way. But at least from my perspective, it's not me celebrating that. It's me pointing at this saying, this is so bad, I find it funny at this point. Yeah, I mean, I do find it funny. Like, there was part of me that was like, I wanted to see Josh Gordon. 
So there was part of me that was like, all right, I'm going to go to the bar and watch this game because I'm a cord cutter, right? So I don't have, I can't watch the games. So I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll just go to the bar, get a little lunch, and I'll watch it. And then I opened up the app and I realized, oh my God, this game doesn't start till four o'clock. Like, dude, no. Like, dude, no, 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 no. And no, no, no. When, when they played the London game this year, I, I remember saying, like, man, this is awesome because you get this out of the way so early. That four o'clock game, that West Coast game, dude, that sucked, dude. It just felt like your entire evening, afternoon was just like crapped on, dude. I'd much rather have them playing at That's, one o'clock. Honestly, I miss West Coast football. Like, living out there. The games are both, you're done with both games, and you still got all Sunday to do whatever you want. And honestly, that time zone is so, we should all just be on that time zone. That'd be so much better. That whole pesky daylight thing. Gotta get in the way of everything. I don't get that. Time Magazine has put out the finalist for their person of the year, and man, are you people going to be pissed. We'll give you that next on Rock 106.9. The Stansberry Show. Rock 106.9. Hey guys, you guys, Stansbury here from North Kenton Collision. The folks you call if you know. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Stansbury Show. Rock 106.9. Coming up at 9 o'clock, we're going to talk to the CEO of the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank, Dan nice. Flowers, because we did the long haul against hunger on Friday. And you guys donated $103,000 for that. So, get a little recap on that. A little victory lap there. Talk to Dan Flowers about that and some metal. He's a big, big, big metal fan. If you're in the market for a new car, check out Wakeham.com, W-A-I-K-E-M.com. Wakeham is Stark County's largest pre-owned dealership. So no matter what it is you're looking for, make, model, price range, they can find it for you. You can also find them on the Wakeham Auto Mile. That's at West Tuscan Lincoln Way between Canton and Maslin. That's where I bought my Honda Accord. Been absolutely happy with it ever since. You may even be able to talk them into continuing their Black Friday deals. They said Ooh. the end of the month, but it's only, it's only December the 4th. Ooh. My guess is... They may work with you there. And again, their website is wakeem.com, W-A-I-K-E-M.com. Over 500 pre-owned cars there for Because again, Wakeham is Star County's largest pre-owned dealership. Plenty of new stuff there as well. Check them out on the Wakeham Auto Mile. West Tuscan Lincoln Way. Head up there. Do what I did. Save the Wakeham Way. So Time Magazine has put this out. All right. The list. The short list for their person of the year. All right. And you just know this is going to ruffle feathers. Yeah, cue the outrage. All right, everyone's pissed off now about because, this. You know, this is what people do. People just get mad about stuff. Well, it's such an important accomplishment. It really is. You know, it's one of the most important things on the face of the planet, I guess. To be fair, Maybe. I have no idea who was the time person of the year last year. I have no idea who that was. Therefore, I don't care who Time Magazine puts as the person that you... I may look at it and go, oh, that's a little messed up. I would have picked somebody else. But I'm not going to like get angry well, about right, it. Right, because then at that point, I would start my own person of the year award, and I'd start handing it out to people. But all right, so who's on the uh, who's on the list? What's the story? Here? Jeff Bezos is the, is the CEO of Amazon, right? And uh, he became the richest man in the world this year. He is uh, he is one of the uh, the 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 libtard leaders right there. Jeff Bezos. Is. He is they, indeed. People uh, people do not like Jeff Bezos. They do not. But they like Amazon apparently. Yeah, this is one of those. Th- you hear people say about Amazon a lot. Like I, you know, I just wish companies wouldn't tell me what they think. Like I, I like your product. I like what you're able to do for me. I like the convenience you bring me. But just don't preach to me. And I understand that, and I and I ultimately I agree with that. But that's not the world we live in, and nor is that ever going to be the way the world is. At least not for a little while. I don't think. I mean, all things go, all things are cyclical. So we may go back to that. I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. The Dreamers are on the list. Thousands of undocumented immigrants brought to the U.S. by their parents uh, when they were children face uncertain futures. They say 
Um, and so they're on the short list of, you know, person of the year. I guess this would be people of the year. Yeah, they've done this in the past where, like, it's been not one specific person. But a group. But, like, Ebola fighters, protesters. Right. Once upon a time, it was you. Remember? It was like there was they had, like, a picture of a mirror, and it was like, you're the person of the year. Good, I don't remember that. Good Samaritans have won before. Soldiers, whistleblowers. So it's not always a specific one person. Patty Jenkins is on the short list of time person of the year. She was the Wonder Woman director. Uh, uh-huh. She broke numerous box office records. She was the first woman to to direct a film that made more than one hundred million dollars in its opening weekend. Have uh, have not watched Wonder Woman yet, but it's I pretty do good. want to see it. Yeah. It's pretty good. As far as comic book movies go, it's pretty good. It's like the rest of them. You get three quarters of the way through, and you think to yourself, "Yeah, that movie could have ended right Should there. Be over. Right. That, that movie could end right there. It's a little too long." But it's, uh, but it's pretty good. Kim Jong-un is on the list of Person of the Year. Now, America is going to freak out if they make him Person of the Year. But I don't know how he w- would not be considered for it. Yeah, I mean, and the Person of the Year is not, and time's spoken about this before, this isn't like, hey, we think you're the best person on the face of the planet. It's you, Newsmaker you, of the Year. You are the Newsmaker of the Year. Hitler you, was Person of the Year. Yeah, Hitler, Stalin, a bunch of other very unsavory characters have been Person of the Year before. Yeah, it's whether or not you're, you're in the news. Are you making the big headlines and Colin Kaepernick is another guy that made a ton of headlines and he's on the list the former uh, San Francisco 49ers quarterback unable to find a team this year they say um, but the protest grew so they kind of feel like you know that kind of makes them on the list for person of the year Uh, I I feel like if anything he was the he was the he was the spearhead of it last year at this point I don't know if he's necessarily still person of the year no what I would almost say is what you would be better off doing than putting Kaepernick on it is find a guy or another group of guys who were willing to protest this year after seeing what happened to Kaepernick and be willing to continue to do that which again was why I don't ultimately think he was blackballed because no punishment has fall into any other player doing it. Once again, I saw, I think it was under 20 guys yesterday that were that were involved in protesting. Yeah, it's just, it's just beginning, you know, here's what's happening here, is that they're starting to realize that, you know, they're not garnering the attention that they want for doing it, and so then if you don't get the attention, they're not going to do it. The NFL also made a commitment to $100 million of funds being donated to causes players deem as necessary, and I think that's, it was listed as a couple of re- reasons why a couple of guys no longer We're like, alright, yeah, they're going right. to give us $100 million for right. causes, which again, Again, it's just, I mean, it's just a good PR move for the NFL. Right. You right. know what I mean? Like, they don't they don't care. And what's $100 million to the NFL? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They don't care. It's just, you know what I mean? It's just a good PR move. The Me Too movement is a is in consideration for people or person of the year for Time Magazine. That aims to, to shed light on the prevalence of sexual harassment and assault in the workplace, which I can't believe, again, we uh, were able to make it through an entire weekend and not hear about another like major story of this. I would assume that sooner rather than later, some something's going to drop here. Yes. But at this point, a part of the problem is, is there's just been so many stories, it's easy to kind of lose track of all of them. They don't nearly feel as like... <gasps> As, as, as they did six months ago, but I think you're probably on to the winner right there. The Me Too movement's got my vote. Robert Mueller is a, another person here. He uh, has appointed as a special counsel following the FBI director James Comey firing. Mueller has brought charges against a couple of people. So far as he investigates potential involvement of the Trump campaign in Russia efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election, which, by the way, again, I guess ABC had to like retract part of their story. Robert Cross, I believe, was the, was the reporter. And um, he had like misspoke in, in his typing, I guess. And um, the clarification was, sorry, 
this this thing that happened with with Trump happened while he was the president elect, not the candidate. And I saw people like Mark Dice is one of these like Republican guys on like an instigator, like a vlogger who was like taking the victory lap. And it's like, dude, if the clarification comes down that there was wrongdoing when he's actually the president elect versus the candidate, I'm not necessarily sure that's cause for victory lapping from the Republicans. Yeah, I mean the whole thing is it, very strange. The whole thing of like finding any victory in that, I feel like is like oh. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. There, dude, nobody won that day. Nobody. I, I don't understand why people felt like that was like a win because ABC had to say, hey, we got this wrong. And when, when the clarification is he was actually doing wrong things as the president elect, not as the candidate. I don't know why anybody thinks that's a win. Donald Trump is the final person on the on the short list to be person of the year. Has to be person of the year. He was the person of the year last year, and I feel like much like Kaepernick, I feel like he deserved it last year. No question about it. He was definitely the biggest newsmaker. Oh, he's the biggest newsmaker this year too, without a doubt. I, I just feel like at this. Well, I, maybe at that point you're the, giving it to him every year now. I mean, the, the me. Well, the president's going to have a leg up. I think the Me Too movement, by the way, would have never happened without Donald Trump being president. Ever. Do you? I, I blame Donald Trump for for all of this. To be honest with you. I think Trump was the catalyst to all of this stuff happening. And I talked to one of my friends over the weekend about this, and she agrees with me. She's like, you know, I never thought about it like that. But when she's, I think what happened here with women is you've been taking it at the workplace all your life. And you felt like, all right, well, I'll just kind of take it, and this is my job or whatever. And then you saw the grab him by the vagina thing happen, and then we put the dude in the White House. And I think what happened is collectively women across the country went, Dude, you know what? Enough is enough now. Like, it was one thing when it was my boss at the office, but now it's the guy running the country. I think women were like, dude, enough is enough, and stories just started coming out. I think had Hillary Clinton won the election, you aren't hearing about Harvey Weinstein. You're not hearing about any of this stuff. I think women are just sitting across the country in celebration over the fact that they got their candidate and that they won, and they don't feel like a dark cloud is hanging over them. I think none of this stuff comes to the forefront. Donald Trump is responsible for that whole thing. Not that it's his fault, but he's responsible for that whole thing. Had Hillary Clinton won the election, Harvey Weinstein still running Miramax like it ain't no thing. Nobody bats an eye. But I think women were just like, dude, enough is enough. We've seen enough of this, and we're going to start to do something about it. So ultimately, at the end of the day, if you're anti-Donald Trump, at least you can walk away saying, well, at least we got that out of it. There's a silver lining that may be coming out of it. I think he's to blame for all of that. More Stansberry Show right around the corner. Hang on. Hope you boys brought popcorn. The Stansberry Show. Because I'm about to put on a show. Rock 106.9. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sandsbury Show. We're on Rock 106.9. We're also online at WRQK.com. And joined now in studio by our good buddy. Yeah! Hi, and, guys. And CEO of the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank, Dan Flowers. Yeah. Hi, guys. Good My morning. man, it's so good to talk to you. Now, I know we, ha- we had you on the air multiple times on Friday as yeah. we were doing long haul. And I just kind of felt like after that was done, I was like, you know what? What we should do is have you back in on Monday, kind of talk about the event, yeah. how well it went. Because now I'm, I, I would imagine you got a better understanding of everything that went down on Friday, mm-hmm. having talked to your crew. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, your staff is fantastic. Thank you. I, I Very few times can you make a staff, not make, but have a staff full of people be someplace that long and still see smiles on their faces when they're done. Still, like, we were, I mean, oh, we, yeah. were, we were done. Yeah. Like at the end of the night and people were still coming in going, can I still donate? And sure enough, there your people were smiles on their faces. Not like, no, man, we wrapped up. We're done. Still like totally um, engaged and, and really nice and respectful of that whole thing. And it just 
honestly, it kind of speaks volumes about how your organization pretty much starts from the top and goes all the way down. It's pretty great. Well, thanks, Dan. You know what? Uh, actually, you know, the, the team at the food bank is, uh, I mean, they really are fantastic. Very passionate group. You they know? are. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, we talk a lot about having the right heart for the work because, um, first off, it's too hard uh, to do if you don't love it. I would think so. And, you know, I think it's really important anytime you're in a job, like we're helping people as a part of it, that, you know, um, there's this idea about aligning the person that you're trying to be inside with the world and your behaviors outside. Sure. Um, and so um, I talk about that a lot with the staff. Like, you know, certainly food banking is a big part of what we do. But from a culture standpoint, um, I really think the idea of being in community with one another is simply saying, all right, um, there is a, some, some aspiration within us for the kind of person ultimately, the, the, ultimately that we want to be like, 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 um, you know, and maybe we're falling short of that on a regular basis. But I like to think that we've got some higher vision for the type of person that we want to be in the world, you know. Um, and so, so, so a lot of what I talk about with the staff is. We're, we're doing the food banking thing, but while we're doing that, is there some way that we can collectively bring out this best version of ourself, uh, which, which looks like being compassionate anyway. Right. It looks like being loving anyway and kind and thoughtful to people. Um, uh, the good thing is, and, and the challenge at the same time, is that when you work at a place like, a food, like the food bank, you need to be cultivating those thoughts because those behaviors are the only conduct that's congruent with the mission. Right. You, you can't yeah, come that's in. that's true. You know what I mean? You can't not be that person. And so, you know, it'll come out. They say nothing is hidden. So whatever is going on inside your mind and heart's going to come out in the world anyway. That's absolutely true. So look, looking back on Friday, which was Long Haul Against Hunger, if I have my numbers correct, I was told $103,000 raised on that Friday. That is correct. That's amazing. It was an amazing day. And there was a couple highlights. Um, you know, when we actually I, I went back and forth, but there was some, some folks that came to the Giant Eagle there on the Strip while we were hanging out there and made donations and it was like so sweet and kind to see people from all kinds of backgrounds coming in there everything you know, right folks from the guys from the trades and you know professionals uh, there was a um, that school teacher that came in that was so excited to see you guys wasn't that cool that was, yeah, that, that, was that was a great moment and I and I think you guys were um, so 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 kind to your listeners and obviously you love your listeners from sure. you know the way that you uh, greeted them um, and uh, thank you all thank you both and, and everybody that came in for a great day on Friday yeah I, I was really like that event because you know it gives me a chance to meet the people who listen to the product and you know you don't always get to do that i mean twitter's one thing facebook is another but like being able to shake somebody's hand and get to know them spend a couple of minutes with them find out about what makes them tick where they are who they are what they do for a living i just really enjoy that part of my job because i spent so much of it you know closed off in a box in a studio and removed from everyone that i really like when they put us out there you guys jumped really quick for pictures you know we're really kind about that uh, and I just, I, really I, 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 I just, you know what that is? It's that I can't believe people want my picture. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and know. there's, a, there's a little bit there of, you know, there's so many times it's just me and Dan, you know, in, in this room yelling at each other. It's yeah. easy to forget there's people on the other side of this microphone Choosing right now. To to it. Yeah, so it, it really, it really does kind of that day kind of gives us some perspective. And I just think one of the coolest things is, um, there was a point uh, during long haul. I said, all right, I want somebody to bring up a thousand dollar check, and somebody did, and that felt awesome. 
awesome. It was like, yeah. But then at the same time, there was somebody, and I heard this story. I didn't talk to this woman, um, but she came up and she donated $2. And she said, this was supposed to be my lunch money today, yeah. but I'm going to skip a I meal. I to her. I'm going to skip a meal because I want this to go further. Mm-hmm. And it's just like on two such opposite ends there of $1,000 check and then two bucks. And both just had such a profound impact on me of like, damn, dude, like this yeah. all came together. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's so. That's so true. I think you know. Um, anytime the the bigger the number gets, the 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 more we tend to lose ourselves in it. So so when we're saying, well, the food bank does is thirty million pounds, or you know, right. you see somebody come in there and write a big check. We always just wonder, like, you know, what what's it matter? What's my contribution right. matter? Um, and I think that um, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that every little one of those contributions makes a difference to the person who receives it, and that you know, yeah. uh, in, 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 and I always tell people like the, the day. I stop um, being convicted that every little bit helps and start and, 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 and stop believing that you know somebody else needs to probably take over right you know because that's a fair point the bottom line is is that you know I, I, I have to be able to see that and believe that uh, be, well it's true it's just the bottom line I love this event too because I believe that it helps the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank out all year and I think that there are people and I and admittingly I'm probably guilty of this myself and I honestly I hate that this is true of me but there are there are going to be people who make the hunger issue a cold weather issue. Sure. You know what I mean? There's something sure. about this time of year that makes us abundantly aware of that issue, where it's obviously still affecting people in June and July and August as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about doing this event is because I know it helps keep things running throughout that building all year, yeah. not not just Christmas. No, that's that's a great point. And you know, uh, a lot of attention does come to the issue during the holiday season. It, it seems to know? be that way. I appreciate that. And you know something? You know, um, you know, we're out all year. We're always talking about what's going on, you know, trying to bring the message about the work that the, the daily nature of the fact that it never ends you know but uh, we also appreciate the fact that when there are times when people you know pay particular you know attention or have a closeness to the issue that does serve us greatly and it oh, does sure carry it does, us yeah. through those dry times you know it's getting to be the end of the year and you know folks are starting to talk about the year end tra- charitable giving um, and you know so you know Christmas and, and uh, Thanksgiving are big times but then there's another wave of people who give you know related to their tax considerations in every right. case though every oh, dollar that's a good point. you know still provides four meals to people the need, you know, throughout the year, and you can visit our website, AkronCantonFoodBank.org. Very smooth. Well, <laughs> smooth. You know, if you if you wanna if you wanna give or you wanna volunteer, but you know, uh, I just wanted to come back down today and thank you both. I brought you both um, fight against hunger camel beans. Oh, nice. Food bank nice. Here. So nice. Thank you. You can rock these things thank out. You. For thank for you. any listener, you can uh, visit AkronCantonFoodBank.org. You can call us at 330-535-6900 and find out how to get your fight against hunger camel beanie they're ten dollars uh and um you know uh, they're pretty cool they're cool i've been giving them away for years and uh, you know rocking the food bank logo on a on a sweet camel beanie i, I don't really think you can beat it no yeah. you can't i uh, <laughs> i actually i still have mine from from last year oh well, maybe you can give it it's, away Stop it's uh, it's uh it's in my golf bag. I use it for when I golf in the cold weather and uh, and, I, and i absolutely love it and i uh it could talk to me about like if somebody's listening right now and they're thinking you know I've been looking for the right way to be charitable, the right way to spend a couple hours of my time. I got a bunch of free time and I'm not doing anything with it. Like, talk me, can you walk a listener of mine through what their day would be spent doing if they started to donate some time with you at the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank? That's a great question. You know, the first thing probably is to visit AkronCantonFoodBank.org and sign up to volunteer. Damn right. We have an online volunteer portal so you can do that. But, you know, your experience at the food bank has a lot to do with kind of what you want um, out of it. Most people want to touch the food, so they want to come in and, you know, sort 
short the cans, um, and uh, and so you know, I'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, if 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 maybe you're you have a disability or something like that, uh, and a sitting job like folding envelopes, and ah. you know, like everybody that gave on Friday, we'll send those those donors thank you notes this week. So somebody has to fold those envelopes. So we have a lot of volunteers that are just willing Poor to come Stephanie's and help fingers us. just falling off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and help us answer phones and stuff. And we appreciate that too. But the vast majority of our volunteers are out in our food uh, sorting center. So the food drive collections that we that we got on Friday, we're gonna have volunteers going through that stuff. They've already started. That's that's what's going on today. We're that's sorting amazing. food drive food. Um, and so you know, for some volunteers, there's training. If you want, like our regular volunteers, it's cool. We have this. Um, it's kind of ranking system. So like a volunteer that puts in like a hundred hours gets a red apron, you know, a brown apron rather. And then if you have oh, so you're walking through, hours, you kind of know. Yeah. So oh, okay, like yeah, cool. the aprons kind of show how many hours of experience, know you know. And and there's training for like food safety and recalls that our regular volunteers go through. So the ones that do the sorting of the um, food drive food, those are our most highly trained volunteers because, you know, people are really generous when they give, but, you know, sometimes folks will go to their pantry and grab something for a food drive. And don't think, realize not knowing, it's outdated. Yeah, like we've had open things of peanut butter donated to us and you know, so sometimes food recall items. That's why we place such a, um, a precedent on food safety. You know, man, I never even thought about food recalls, but there's one of those, two, three of those a all week. The time. All the time, And so, I honestly, you guys have to pay real close attention to that stuff, right? Well, yeah, and you know, that's one of the uh, the, the cases for having a food bank is that you know, um, if you take food drive food to you know an agency that might not have that same infrastructure, you risk things like that, foodborne illnesses and stuff. So our volunteers are really great about that, wow. sorting that stuff out, and you know, getting in all categories categorized and set it on the menu so that's really what most people would experience if they come in now if you have a church group a corporate group a service club or whatever and you want to come down and volunteer then we have easy projects to set up like that too like we just got a whole bunch i like think they look like giant beehives of like cocoa puffs okay and so you know um so we're just going to sort those down at a little bag and you just sort them in, you know so that's easy scoop and bag you have to put your hair net on and projects like that. But again, AkronCantonFoodBank.org is the place to learn about that stuff, and we'd love to have you come down. All day on Friday, we asked. We said, please, can we, you know, can we can we get a donation? Can we get a Hunger Hero? People can we it. get and they did. They do yeah. they delivered and they delivered huge. Can you bring the Super Six up? Um, but one of the main focuses of the food bank is giving. And if people listening right now, I guarantee you there is one person, if not more, that's listening right now that is food insecure, that isn't able to put the meal on the table tonight. How do they get help from the Akron Canton Regional Food? bank um well you know the easiest place to get is to come back to our website akroncantonfoodbank.org if you need help um or you can call our number 330-535-6900 and we'll help you out um finding us uh, is really the easy part i think sometimes finding the courage in your own heart to uh, ask for way help. harder you way know, harder yeah i think that's there, the hard part there are a lot of people whose pride i think will get in the way before asking for help and yeah. and it's because of society's done a bad job of um of exposing people who need help as something to be ashamed of you don't want to look like and this isn't the case but you don't want to look like you don't want to feel like a quote unquote bum you don't sure. want to feel like you're not capable of doing this and, and there is pride in that the first you know well and i would imagine I, this is me just purely speculation but i i would guess that what happens dan is that people who are new to the struggle of food insecurity still look at it as somebody else's problem and it's not quite their problem just yet. Not that, you know, I'm not talking about the people who will give. I'm talking about the people who are looking to receive help. I think there are people who are like, 
who are still like new to the struggle of it that are like, oh, there's people still way worse off than me, so I'm not going to ask. That's a part of it. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's probably part of it. It's a huge part of it. Another part of it, that it, it, even like a level down, is that what we do is we run up against our former judgments. So, so we're uh. like, you know, think about it. Like if 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 one at some time in your life you might have thought, well, just people who use these food pantries or people who take advantage of any public benefit right. system are this right. or are that. Right. Well, when your turn comes, you remember what you <laughs> thought. You know. The same sure. would go with like mental health or a lot of things. True. Like you know, um, we find ourselves oftentimes being being inhibited um, by things that we have thought about circumstances that we never experienced, and then when we stumble upon those circumstances, um, uh, we send we tend to see them a little bit differently. And my, my what I would encourage is that anybody who's struggling with anything, whether it's food insecurity, depression, um, you know, over the holidays, you know, a lot of people get depressed. At the holiday season. Yeah. Big it, time. It, it, you know, it's amazing how that can happen. And I always used to go, why? It's Christmas and things are great. But honestly, um, and there are people who have a, you know, a way worse problem with this than I do. But um, having lost a parent around that time of year, every year since it's kind of happened, it's, it's, they're not as special. And so I can see how depression can creep in for, for people. Sure. Like when you've when you've had a major loss, like holidays just feel less special than they used to. And so I could see how that could creep in for people for sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And I still got a great like security net of friends and still family and stuff like that. So I people who are a little bit more alone than I am, I can totally understand how that could happen. Yeah. We found out well last year ultimately, but then again on Friday, you you put me on the spot musically. Oh, about, yeah. about Iron Maiden. Do you got time to hang out? Heck yeah. Okay. For sure. I want to get into, uh, you know, we handled the food bank. We handled, you know, Long Haul Against Hunger. I kind of want to talk to you about some music things and like. We found out you're a huge Iron Maiden fan. I love Iron Maiden. So we'll take a break, come back, we'll play Run to the Hills, and then we'll get into a metal discussion with Dan Flowers. Let's do it. CEO of the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank. That's next on Rock 1069. The Stansberry Show. All right. I like it. I like it a lot. Rock 1069. Rock 106.9. Welcome back to the Sands Ray Show. Welcome to Just heard a little Iron Maiden there, and it's because in studio we have Dan Flowers, yeah. C- CEO yeah. of the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank. And we found out, dude, you're a huge Iron Maiden fan. Well, I'm a huge Iron Maiden fan, huge metal fan. You know, I worked my way through college giving guitar lessons and playing in bands. Music's always been a big part of my life. And so, um, and this is the genre. I mean, I grew up in Flint, Michigan, uh, and uh, this is what everybody around me. In fact, my first exposure to Iron Maiden wasn't the music. It was um, uh, the, a drawing on the back of some guy's jean, jean jacket, you know? Oh, Eddie. Uh, yeah. yeah, Eddie in the <laughs> light. I was like, that's pretty cool. What is that? And uh, Marlboro's rolled up in the sleeve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was like, you know, I was a freshman in high school in 1984, and I saw that. Um, and then I saw some um, somebody in a class. Whoa, uh, back up. You were a freshman in high school? In 1984, yeah, yeah, so dude, I'm you've aged fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, yeah, like, man, yeah, dude, you, uh, thanks, dude, you must be on a good diet or something. Well, I, Fish I, oil, what is it? Sleep. Give me the secrets. Is yeah. that it? Yeah, clean living. I got clean it. Living. Uh, Since well, then. It's too late for me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. Too late for me. Honestly, you put me on the spot on Friday. Yeah, and asked because I have always said, like, I understand Black Sabbath was like, like. The like the Godfathers of like metal, and I get that. But for my money, Iron Maiden is the best heavy metal band of all time. Mm-hmm. I just think, um, as far as consistency goes, album goes, like album wise goes, like dude, from like eighty to eighty five, it was like f- a record a year, and they were all good. Like it's just that's it, very hard to do. You'll honestly, I don't think you'll ever see another band yeah. do it again. But you put me on the spot. We're like, what's your favorite Iron Maiden song? And I think I picked "Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner." 
It's a good pick. It's I mean, not you like that went pick all the sucks. way. <laughs> that was going all the way. Yeah, that's. I mean, dude, that's a nine and a half minute song off of Power Slave, which was an awesome record. Such a good record. Um, but all weekend long, I kept thinking about long haul, and I was there was a little bit of me that was like, man, we raised one hundred three thousand dollars. That's great. But is Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner <laughs> really, <laughs> really the best, really the best song? Because like I started thinking about it's like, man, the evil that men do. I really like Stranger in a Strange Land. I really like. I re- I mean, there's so many that I really, really like. So let me ask you, as you and I will both agree, that Iron Maiden is the great. Mm-hmm. Who like who's your favorite band of all time? Dan Flowers. Wow. Hard to do, right? Yeah, that's super hard to do. I mean, I've always had like a big five. Uh, okay, I, you know, um, you know, and that would be like um, for Iron Maiden, okay, okay. Um, Rush, nice, um, Megadeth, Ooh, Slayer, like and Pantera are probably my five favorite wow. bands. Okay, dude, you got good taste in music, Dan. Well, Flowers. you know, I mean, uh, I. I it, all right, so let me ask you this question: at, at, at the night when all the when all the volunteers go home, are you just headbanging to cream corn in there? I, like I, what's I, happening in there? I, you know what? In the morning, on my way in. in. In fact, there's a lot of mornings I'll be driving to work, listening to you know skeletons of society of you know Slayer. You, you pronounce like, the Sandsbury show wrong. Like, that's weird. Like, that's, that's, that's totally yeah. weird. But I'll be like, I, I'm probably the only CEO in the in the country driving in listening to this song right now. But you know, I grew up with it. You know, I see the art in it. You know, like uh, I, I and and I'm also a guitar player myself so you know um that was actually became one of the things i was known for i I worked at the flint school of performing arts and i had 60 students at one time and i was kind of like their metal specialist and kids would come in and you know we'd work out all of the solos for you know like at one time you know there's i could do all the stuff off metallica's early albums nice and um you know that's what i teach kids to do this stuff we and then we'd have recitals and we jam for their parents i'd have a drummer come in and you know these kids we jam and we had a great time and you know that's what i fell in love with and that's you know we were talking about like you know um w- w- a thing about iron maiden is how intellectual and technical their music is they really are and uh, you know it kind of got us into conversation here matt too about like you know um uh, how it was like really fashionable to be able to shred on the guitar in the 80s and 90s and how that's kind of s- slipped away like with grunge and then how like green day came along and you know not, not to diss green day but you know i certainly wouldn't think they play at a level like marty friedman does that's a fair point there was you know? a, there was a time in the music industry, where your guitar player being really good meant your band was good. Right. That's kind of all like, it took. Yeah. Even yeah. if your front man was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. He's up there. But, but shredding was what play, it was. Man. Right, right. Yeah. Like there was part exactly. of that. There was part of that. And I, I noticed you brought up Nirvana off the air and you said, you know, they're kind of got an era where, where bands got sloppy. Yeah. And they yeah. weren't technically proficient. And as a matter of fact, dude, I was, I, I was doing this motorcycle event a few months ago and a guy came up to me. And was like, you know, I got a problem with your radio station, man. I said, okay. I said, a lot of people have problems with the radio station. Right. What's, what, yeah, what's going on? Well, you know, just start listing them off. And he's like, Nirvana ain't rock and roll, dude. Like he okay. just, like he just kept in on me because they weren't hard enough, they weren't aggressive enough. But I never thought about it from a technical standpoint because I like Nirvana, I enjoy mm-hmm. them. But like, you are right in the fact that none of those guys in Nirvana, even Dave Grohl, who's a great drummer, none of those guys. That band didn't. Now he's make, no Neil Pert. Yeah, yeah. Th- those guys <laughs> yeah. didn't make their bones on the fact that they're musicians, right? 
Right. They wrote songs, they played songs, but they didn't make their they didn't make their career out of the fact that they were great players. And so the connectedness between playing at a really high level and songwriting at a really high level, you know, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, you know, what is that, seven, eight minute long song? Nine, thirteen. Okay, so yeah. that's a super long song yeah, with long. all kinds of intricate, um, in, um, intricate, you know, parts in it. Um, I think there's got to be a correlation between the ability to technically perform, play really, really well. And play and long then songs. Write, and then put those songs together to come up with these really high level artworks that, you know, I would think well, if, if your guitar playing is at a low level or introductory level you can certainly make groovy louis louis was a groovy tune you know you can right. do that um but to come up with some of the, like a magnum opus like rhyme of the ancient mariner you got to be able to get down and play that guitar you know what was the first song you learned how to play on the guitar oh <laughs> might have been louis louis you know? <laughs> i mean it was probably one of the in in the in 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 that era something like that you know um, I probably would have called it Wild Thing, you know, okay. smoke on the water and stuff like that. But you know, growing up in Flint, Michigan, you know, I learned a lot of Ted Nugent. You know, he's a Michigan oh sure, guy yeah, sweaty Teddy to play that. But you know, my big breakthrough with metal is the actually the first like Metallica song I ever heard was Orion, the, oh, yeah. uh, off the uh, Master of Puppets, the instrumental, yeah. which was it blew my mind. And my buddy, after we listened to it, he was like, "I'm going to play you a song, man, that's going to blow your mind." And it ended. He says, "You know who that was?" And Metallica, dude. And I, I was like, "What?" And yeah, then I, I was on it, you know. And I remember the first the time I heard Master of Puppets, and um, you know, hey, what's your favorite song off Ride the Lightning? Would you say? All right, my favorite. So that's probably my favorite Metallica record is Ride the Lightning because I feel like you can still hear the Dave Mustaine in that record. Yeah, plus Cliff. Yeah, and and you get Cliff there, and I and I've said this on the air before that my favorite. Not only is it my favorite song off of Ride the Lightning, it's my favorite Metallica song. Period. And it's also James Hetfield's least favorite Metallica song of all time. But Escape off of Ride the Dude, Lightning. I, I thought you were going to say Escape. It's, that's a great song. That's my favorite Metallica song of all time. I love that record. We should play that one. That's one you don't hear a lot on the radio. <laughs> we should down, jam. I, I don't even know. We, we probably don't have that. Dan Flowers, I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us this, uh, you know, this morning. Thanks again for uh, involving Matt and I into Long Haul Against Hunger. I hope you'll invite us out next year to do it again. I, um, I love that event. I believe strongly in it. And we raised together $103,000 because of the people's generosity of StarCon. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe that. And again, um, I know we had some great corporate sponsors, the 450 group was there smuckers was there yeah. and i know you had a few others um and, and i apologize for um you know drawing a blank right now but it was uh that was a great day and i uh and i thank you again for taking some time out of your busy schedule for joining us this morning hey man much love to you guys much love to the listeners your st- your, your taste in music is great Dan. yeah I, I was thinking he's gonna say escape he's gonna and maybe it was because <laughs> of the rhyme of the ancient mariner but anyways thanks matt thanks dan hey, and, and thanks everybody have a great day we'll talk to you again next time dan we'll close out the program by giving you guys some foreigner tickets next on rock 106.9 dan Stansberry and his boy Wonder Matt Fantone. At last, two heroes. The Stansberry Show. Rock 1069. Rock 1069. Welcome back to the Stansberry Show. Rock 1069. I want to thank CEO of the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank, Dan Flowers, for joining us again this morning. Spent the first two breaks at 9 o'clock with us. I like that guy, man. Like, he's just good. Like, he just, every time he talks, I just want to run through walls. Like, look, coach, I did it. Like, he's just one of those, man. Like, dude, maybe he could coach the Browns. Maybe. Wow, I didn't even think of that. Listen to this. This is coming from Twitter, speaking of the Browns, by the way. A quarterback at number one. They're talking next year's draft. Yeah. You add that to an offense that has Josh Gordon, David Njoku, Duke Johnson, Corey Coleman, and a strong line. Then four more picks before the third round. Guys, 
I mean, what did the rest of those dudes do all year that makes you think that those are so great to have? Uh, the only thing I'll say about that, and I think the tweeter, whoever has a point there, is that like Hugh Jackson, his payoff really was coming next year. And whether I mean, I would agree with that. I know it doesn't feel like it, but like, what's the difference between zero and two wins? Really, not much. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Draft position. So like, if if he would have won two last year and they would have won two this year, all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, we'll give him another year. And all of a sudden, then you can finally give Hugh Jackson that grade after he has his you know his third draft here. I think you can make that argument, but at the same time, there's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts in that. Too so, like, if you fire the guy, I'm not going to argue with you. Yeah, I like Hugh. I think he can coach. I, he, there were questionable calls yesterday. Oh. He, he's he got time management issues. I would agree with all that. If you want an offensive coordinator, I'm for that. And I don't believe in him so much that I'm sitting here going, no, 127, trust me, he's awesome. Like, that's not what's happening. I just know that I don't think there's a guy more qualified than Hugh Jackson who would want this job right now. I, I just I don't know the name. If somebody shows him to me or there, there's a quote or if a guy's interested, then I, I would adjust my opinion. At any point to it's probably going to be an unproven guy. This, at this point, it's somebody that you're not going to, you, you know. There's truth in that, but my problem is, dude, we've been here. We've been here with, what's his name? Who was the guy that put the billboard up? We were going to be the toughest team in the NFL. Chudinski? No, Chudinsky? that was no. after Rod. In between Rod and Hugh, there was... That guy, Mike Pettin, was okay. that guy? Chris I mean, Palmer? I don't know. He was, we'll dude, at least, well, at least Palmer won two games. Or was that... Butch Davis? I don't know. Was um, that not Palmer? Was that the was guy... That? Was it Cornell? Um, the guy that's with... Um, I don't know. The guy that's the offensive coordinator with the Vikings now. He won a couple of games here. Yeah, they're a mess. They're a mess. I don't know, I don't know how they're going to get that turned around. Looking ahead at tomorrow... New Tour Tuesday. We're actually without a country song right now. I'm gonna have to hunt. Uh, I'm gonna hunt right. down. I'm gonna hunt down the charts to find that out. But you're gonna get new Taylor Swift and Five Finger Death Punch. Okay, is covering the Offspring. So we'll play that tomorrow as well. We do have a pair of tickets for Foreigner and White Snake, and I believe Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience is part of that as well. That show will be in Blossom. I believe it's July. These are beat the box office tickets. We'll take caller 10 right now at 1-800-243-7625 on those. Aside from that, we're done for the day. Be back at it live tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. on Rock 106.9. If you missed anything, podcast at WRQK.com. Have a great afternoon.